Hello, and welcome to The Conversation. I'm Heil Russell. I'm Heil Russell. And Wait. I'm Heil Russell. We rehearsed this, and I think I, <laughs> I did it wrong. I'm, I'm Jeff on- Onan. And I'm Dustin Jackson. All right, I think yeah. I think I think that's, that's accurate, but I don't know who. I don't know which one's the real Heil now. I don't know which one of me to shoot. <laughs> shoot him. He's uh, uh, every time we play Sea of Thieves, I tell the story of the episode of Goosebumps uh, yeah. with that scene. But so if you watch our stream of thieves, this reference I just made will make sense to you. That's right. And if you Tune don't watch Sundays, if you don't watch our weekly Sea of Thieves stream which most of our conversation audience does not, then this is new to you. It's fresh material. Yeah. It's not very good. Viewer, beware. You're in for a scare. So, yes, there are three of us on this episode. This is tightly packed. We're all crammed in here like sardines in our little recording booth. And the reason... We have three of us on this episode is we are discussing the rare LucasArts crossover. One of those companies doesn't even exist anymore. Uh, and surprisingly, uh, it's not rare, but we're, we're discussing the crossover that occurred within Sea of Thieves this year called The Legend of Monkey Island. And this is one of those episodes where... We needed an extra perspective on this, and we all kind of bring something different to this discussion. So that is why Jeff and Dustin are both with me today. And because uh, what Dustin brings, Jeff cannot replicate, and what Jeff brings, I don't think Dustin could muster. So I'm I'm glad you're both here. Thank you for joining hey, me. I I was told to bring the chips. <laughs> the the best part about having both of us is we form one full person. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> so we're kind of winding down the year. We're kind of winding down the conversation season. And I wanted to get this discussion in before we start wrapping things up. Because if, if we wait till next year, then this is going to be wildly out of date. So we said we weren't going to discuss The Legend of Monkey Island with the actual Season 9 Sea of Thieves discussion, but uh, time's up. We ought to do it. We have to do it now or right. we'll never do it. So we had to we had to avoid spoilers on that talk. Uh, so we, you know, definitely go back and listen to that episode um, uh, but where we talk about everything that happened in Season 9. Uh, but... This is the episode about The Legend of Monkey Island. So if you haven't played those yet, I, I don't think you need to tune out yet. We're going to start with some high-level discussion. But we'll, we'll hit you with a warning before we get into the juicy stuff. That's the right. Yeah, you'll, stuff. Love it. you'll love it. Shut up. <laughs> and we have a couple more episodes lined up this season. We're not thrown in the towel yet. We still got plenty more conversation coming your way through the rest of 2023. Before we get into it, I do have to issue a quick correction because, boy, boy, I stepped in it last week. So in our three and a half hour discussion on the Donkey Kong Country theme park, we got most everything right, Dustin. Uh, But 
I just happened to say, and I don't know why I said this, it just kind of slipped out of my mouth like a loose stool. Now, not that a loose stool would slip out of my mouth. It would slip out somewhere else. Well, but, you know, it's it just just like an accidental oopsies, right? Like, ooh, I didn't, I didn't mean for that to happen. Ooh. But I said that the power-up bands one can wear at Super Nintendo World to kind of augment your experience and interact with things that to the naked-wristed park goer they would be unaware of i said those were free i I said those were like complimentary and that's that's not that's not true that that is wildly inaccurate the power-up bands retail for 30 dollars we're talking u.s currency that's a lot 30 dollars a pop so if you wanted to get the Donkey Kong power-up band and you wanted to get the Diddy Kong power-up band, that would set you back $60, which may seem extravagant, you know, the, the cost of an entire video game. But you have to think about the poor power-up band miners who go deep into the Earth's crust, risking life and limb hmm. to mine you the power-up band technology. They have families. They have to put food on the table. We can't just expect handouts when it comes to power-up bands. So I, I would like to apologize to them and their families and anyone else who was harmed by my shameful slip of the tongue. I promise that well, in 2024, I will do better when discussing power-up bands on The Conversation. Well, Heil, I think the worst part of it is I just let you keep going. I never stepped in to correct you, and I feel like that was a real dick move on my part. Oh, thank God, Dustin's. I just thought it would be funny. All right, I'm absolved. Dustin is shouldering (laughs) all of the guilt. That that yeah, sorry everyone. That's what I I really really like. Yeah, I I really uh, shat the bed this time. You really puked up shit on that one. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Again. All right. Well. Dustin's going to sit in the corner for the next couple of minutes and think about what he did. Uh. But really quick, I have to plug a couple of things. We mentioned our Sea of Thieves stream that we stream weekly, except on Christmas Eve. We won't have a Christmas Eve stream of Thieves. But we, we were there most most weeks of the year, every Sunday, on our Twitch channel, twitch.tv forward slash DKVine. So if you are vaguely interested with Sea of Thieves, especially now that they've launched Safer Seas and they've kind of removed the risk of experienced players coming in and griefing you while you're trying to learn the basics. Now they've launched that, if you have a renewed interest in checking out Sea of Thieves, but you're still not sure, you can tune into our Stream of Thieves every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific, 4 p.m., Greenwich Mean Time, and you can see how we tangle with Rare's latest game, and it's been out since 2018, but it's, you know, their latest game, uh, uh, Battletoads, co-production with Delala Studios notwithstanding. And yeah. Uh, where would they go? Where where would they go to tune in to such a good piece of content? I already said twitch.tv forward slash DKVine. I don't think you did. I, I did. Don't know. Dustin, <laughs> Dustin, come out of the corner. I said that, right? Hello. Uh, I already forgot. Oh, God. I don't know which one of you to believe. I don't. I I, I don't know what 
world you're operating under here, what what delusions, but Dustin is definitely here on my side of all future <laughs> arguments. And I also just wanted to point out before we get into the bigger discussion that uh, between the safer seas feature, which lets players play the game solo and in a safe environment, and then the new guild feature, which lets people join into these uh, like clubhouses of not clubhouses, but clubs of players such as the DK Vine Guild. Uh, it's never been a better time to play Sea of Thieves. So if you're interested in those things, hit us up. We can get you into our guild if you want. Yeah, absolutely. That, we don't care. Leave us, We're not that picky. Leave us a comment in the podcast zone. Anyway, we are also on T Public, <laughs> and we we have uh, lots of great shirts and homewares for you. If you like DK Vine, if you like our skewed perception on Rare and the DKU, then uh, put it on your body. That's dkvine.com forward slash merchandise or just find us on TeePublic. We don't have any Sea of Thieves merchandise yet. Like any Sea of Thieves inspired stuff, any Stream of Thieves inspired stuff. Uh, but maybe, maybe in the coming year. Uh, so check it out. dkvine.com forward slash merchandise. Finally, Golden Sands blog post. Kind of a sister site to DK Vine. Sort of a centralized hub for Sea of Thieves news and guides to events and seasons. Jeff, would you like to tell us about Golden Sands blog post? Yeah, Golden Sands blog post, kind of a sister site to DK Vine. Uh, it has guides and tutorials for Sea of Thieves stuff, and it's my blog that I run with my friend Dre. So uh, if you want to you know, if you if you want to play Sea of Thieves, but you're like, hey, where'd they put that journal? Where's that hidden? Where? How do I find that journal? Uh, you can go to go to our blog, and we'll tell you right where all the journals are and all the other details you might need to know. But it's probably journals that you're looking for. <laughs> That's the hard part. Yeah, yeah, that is the hardest part. They left this journal on a rock, and my textures aren't loading because I'm playing on an Xbox One, so I don't know what I'm looking at. It just it just a mess, a mess of blur right now so i need to go to golden sands blog post to know if this blur is a journal or not that's right so you can find that uh at medium.com slash golden hyphen sands hyphen blog post or uh on the website called x or no twitter or whatever we're i don't know what it's called it that. we're not calling it that at at, <laughs> at at golden sands blog you'll find it there uh I, it, whatever. There's there's a link to it on DK Vine. You can just pop pop it up, and it's you know. You just Google the words. Yeah, just yeah. Google the words, and it will take you. <laughs> Google is mostly still a search engine, so it's 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 kind of kind of worse though because now they're just going to give you targeted ads when you search for something rather than. No, we know it's yeah. it, basically everything has gotten worse a little bit over the past progression of time. Kyle, Jeff. What a, what about the legend of Monkey Island so, in Sea of Thieves? Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, Jeff. I'm I'm glad that just came <laughs> up out of the blue, popped to your head, because that's actually what I want to discuss on this episode. No way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Sick. What? You get you call me a dick? No, I said sick. Oh like, rad. I'm just cool. so, I'm so used like, to people nice. calling me dicks that I'm reflexively defensive whenever i hear the ick sound 
Yeah, we, well, get it. You know, we understand. Yeah, Hiles used to the X sound. <laughs> so what happens whenever he whenever he lets out a, a stool? What did you say before? You like puking up stools or something? Here's I don't know, thing. man. Here's the thing, Jeff. Love I, that I, ick. I try to refrain from pooping as much as possible. We we do know that's yeah. true. <laughs> I hate 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 pooping, so I try to stay constipated until I just can't take it no mores. You also hate eating. I, I feel like yeah. We might be getting to the bottom of something. Like you hate eating because those are good. E- those eating are... is, yeah, doesn't. Oh, I was just gonna say those are good things to hate together. They not really like, work. Yeah, yeah. They, they're in tandem. They're 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 tied together. I think that hating or the, I'm sorry. I think that eating is basically writing a cat uh, a check. And and pooping pooping is when the ch- the check gets cashed. Right. This is why you hate it. Right. You're you're selling the the misery of pooping to your future self. That's right. That's right. That, I, I I think that might be the the root of of it all. So uh, you should be able to poop and see if thieves. I think. <laughs> that's why why else would they call it the um the when uh when you're on the ship there's the um <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah uh, the. The, the poop deck. There it is. There it is. <laughs> we got it. Yeah. People ask me, they're like, Heil, you know, I'm a rare fan, uh, just like you, but I just can't get in a sea of thieves. I, I don't see what you see in it. I'm like, well, it's a lack of pooping. Dude, they just put out on Sea of Thieves website, uh, your, your like year in review sort of yeah. stats. And uh, it says like the, the categories of things you've eaten the most. Yeah. My number one eat, eaten thing is fruits because that makes sense. Mm. It's like the most common food in the game. Right. Uh, you would think that the second food, which is called meats, you think that would be my second most eaten thing. It's not. My second most eaten thing is worms. <laughs> <laughs> it, but the website calls it invertebrates, <laughs> which I love. <laughs> I don't know what to put that. Yeah, for for me, uh, it's just fruit, and then it scolds me for being a picky eater, and I'm like, "But I'm a I'm a vegan. What do you What do you want from me?" Yeah, Heil doesn't eat worms. Yeah, yeah. If you gave me soy worms, sure, I'd gobble those up. <laughs> so, those who have been with us all season long know of the legend of monkey island because it was announced back in june and dustin and i discussed it on that conversation and it was kind of a noteworthy conversation because i was not very enthused about this i i was actually kind of deflated when they announced this crossover with lucas arts i guess it's just disney's now uh secret of monkey island franchise which are, I, I saw your little bottom lip quiver. Yeah. So, of course, it is a classic point and click adventure series. Uh, developed, I, I think, a cult following in the early 1990s and definitely helped influence some of the stuff that went into the DKU. Now, Dustin, you are a big fan of this series. That's me. They call me Mr. Monkey Island fan. <laughs> that's what that's what they call you indeed. And yeah. so so you were you were very very enthused by this announcement. Yeah, I I believe the thing I said cuz we we also did a conversation like the night before this was revealed. Mm-hmm. 
where we were just talking about like, oh, what would we want to see? Any predictions? And I said this would be like the only crossover they could do that I would be just psyched out of my mind about. And uh, I was. Yeah. I didn't even think they were going to do it. I just said like, I I would love if they crossed over with Monkey Island. I don't know how likely it is they ever will, but boy, would I be a happy camper. Yeah, where whereas I, you know, I, I was like, I am I'm just kind of done with, with the crossovers. Like Pirates of the Caribbean, that was novel and it was unique, but I right. was kind of banking on it being a one-time thing, right? And then we kind of return to just the world of Sea of Thieves and the world of Rare. Because me specifically I am, as I'm sure anybody who listens to this podcast knows, a rare zealot above all else. Like, that is my fandom. That is my North Star. That is my compass is is rare. And everything that that entails, specifically the shared rare universe, what we call the Donkey Kong universe. And I feel like rare there's always this sensibility with rare stuff. And I feel like rare also falls victim to it where it's like, oh, well, that's not good enough to really indulge in, or we want to keep our distance from that kind of stuff because who really cares? I I feel like Sea of Thieves, aside from Pendragon and a lot of like early references that they got in there, it's mostly kept some of the rare stuff that seems obvious to bring in at arm's length. And right. like Captain Black Eye is, is the big obvious, like what, what the hell? Where, where, where's that guy? And you, you would think, yeah, they would, they would do something with him to honor the history, to kind of pay that off uh, because you're rare. And, th- and this is one of the like most not noteworthy, but I, I think prominent, things you could pull from from your history and i don't know it just just feels like sometimes rare is afraid of rare properties and it feels like lots of people are afraid of rare properties like we've talked about before how it seems like donkey kong is kind of afraid to reference its own history it's it is weird that it seems like it's just rare like crash bandicoot does it all the time but rare just can't seem to get those shout outs yeah yeah so for me I, I definitely feel as a rare fan, like I try not to be too overly dramatic about it, but occasionally all all of my goodwill, all of my youthful energy that I bring to this, sometimes I just need a little bit of a win, like having a whole Donkey Kong theme park announced. And <laughs> so, so just a small win. Yeah. So when Rare's big announcement for the year is, hey, we're going to have this big crossover with another game series and kind of see ground to it and let it take over our game for three months. You know, it, it's not that I don't trust the team behind it to make a stellar experience. Like, I, I'm not doubting the quality. I'm not doubting that they themselves are fans of this and want to play in this world. And it's not like I can't be happy for them, but I think as a rare fan, sometimes I feel like that gif of David Tennant standing in the rain looking all sad just because Mm. I I do feel like, okay, but if I can't even get rare stuff from rare, then what, what am I going to, where am I going to get it from? Well, see if he's been out now for five years, almost six years 
And it's like, when are we going to get to that fireworks factory? I don't know. I don't think it's yeah. ever going to happen at this point. And it, it's not like that stuff was ever guaranteed. But when you just let Disney come in and be treated like the bigger deal and Pirates of the Caribbean, for sure. Obviously, it's a much bigger IP than anything Rare could muster. But something like The Secret of Monkey Island, maybe a little bit more niche, maybe a little bit more uh, inside baseball than than that. And just like, oh, okay. So in in the rankings, like you're you're putting that above your own stuff. And I'm not even talking about like Banjo-Kazooie here. I'm talking about Sea of Thieves characters itself. That's not to say... I didn't think this was going to be good. I just wasn't very enthusiastic about it. And it took me a while to kind of build up the eagerness uh, to to actually want to play it. And uh, so that's where I was coming from. Do you think you would have uh, yeah. been more receptive to it if uh, the well of rare properties wasn't so dry at this point? Like if we were seeing other rare characters and... Uh, such just about whether or not it was rare developing the games or not. Uh, do you think that would have made this a, an easier pill to swallow if you wouldn't, if uh, rare wasn't so uh, out of the, out of the ether at this point? Oh yeah. For, I mean, for sure. I, I think Sea of Thieves has been a, a terrific resource for me in that I haven't been left wanting necessarily for other rare things. I mean, I, I love Sea of Thieves, like point blank, like it is my second favorite game. I like it even more than the original Banjo Kazooie. So when I want to see that Banjo Kazooie stuff referenced in Sea of Thieves, it's not saying like I don't value Banjo Kazooie more than Sea of Thieves, but I would like to see right. some of that paid off. And you're right, like we haven't really gotten much else aside from Banjo and Kazooie and Smash, you know, Battletoads 2020. And mm-hmm. it, it's just it gets to the point where it's like, what, what, what are you doing? Like, and if, had we gotten some of the stuff in Sea of Thieves already, like Captain Black Eye serving some sort of role narratively in the game, then sure, I would have been more, I think, open to exploring outside of the rare purview. But we haven't. We hadn't. And just and- on this topic, I do, I just want to also just point out that, like, for people who are fans of Rare and maybe not super, like, in the world of Sea of Thieves and what's going on, like, Sea of Thieves definitely has uh, integrally, like, referenced a lot of Rare history. Um, but I think that, so what Hyle's saying is not, like, that they're keeping everything, like, you know, oh, you're never allowed to reference Banjo-Kazooie, but, like, like they, they have a lot mm. of things. Yeah. Uh, a lot but of Rare it's stuff. just... It's, it's but just it's like a cute little between, stuff. It's a difference between um, they're making this Legend of Monkey Island, which is like a whole love letter, directly like oh, like taking you to Monkey Island, right? Ver- versus the way they reference rare stuff is like cheeky, fun little nods that are easy to miss and not fully embracing. But I, I just wanted to point out, it's not like they're ignoring that it exists, like. Yeah. Sea of Thieves. Sea of Thieves alone has referenced uh, the uh, the the uh, the salty hippo ship. They've referenced Captain Black Eye. They've referenced um, Jolly Rogers in Jolly Jolly Rogers in Treasure Trove. They've referenced Cove Donkey Kong. Is, yeah. 
Tre- treasure treasure trove cove is shown to be in yeah. like just like within the devil's shroud outside the sea of thieves or surrounding the sea of thieves like and all these things get all the ship customizations uh yeah direct references to lore and and like the implication that that saber wolf is a legend in the world of sea of thieves that that the the island of candy animals in viva pinata is a legend in sea of Thieves. like all these parts of rare's world are a part of sea of thieves like sea of thieves is not like ignoring these things but I, I i see where you're coming from with this aisle and totally but i just wanted to point that for the context for yeah for people who don't know those things have been referenced yeah they're just not like being given a spotlight yeah they're just cute little like l- small references not like big adventure stories and the thing is i don't even need anything on the same level as this where we we have like the title screens change we we have like new tall tales that are kind of this curated separated adventure from the main game i don't need that i just would like a little bit more you know and be a little self-indulgent every now and then yeah and, and i i which do, i do. well it they they got incredibly self-indulgent with one specific thing which is Arthur Pendragon yeah. from the obscure yeah. Com- Commodore 64 Black Witch game series. That uh, is great. And they, they like went all in on that, which yeah. it's cool. They I did have a major but like, character, but like no, none of us actually care about that guy. <laughs> I mean, I, I only care about him so much as that. He's a character in Sea of Thieves, but it, yeah, I like him in Sea of Thieves. The actual history, while cool, I don't think any of us were like, or at least any of us. I never played those. Yeah. Any of us on this episode were like, oh, yeah, yeah, finally. Finally, they're paying. Finally, the, referencing the Arthur Pendragon game. Yeah. Like Sea of Thieves is technically the fifth game in the ped in the Pendragon video game series that goes back like 40 years. Yeah. And then uh, it's also a prequel to like every modern, like N64 era or, or game that or Xbox era game that, that rare made like it's a prequel to killer instinct and perfect dark and banjo kazooie and saber wolf actually it's kind of a sequel to killer instinct too because they time travel in the one yeah Yeah. (laughs) because killer instinct takes place over a lot of a wide time span but yeah yeah uh but yeah i get you like i feel like the fact that pendragon came in when when the game launched the black witch was this like very prominent easter egg Mm -hmm. but it was just an easter egg and then later they're like, well, what if Pendragon was just like a full-blown character and not just a character, but like a character that's important to the story of the game. Yeah. And I feel like that level of indulgence, when that happened, we were like, oh, but like, cool. When it, I bet they're going to do that with Captain Black Eye from Banjo-Kazooie. And like, uh, yeah, because they, because they, haven't, they have referenced Captain Black Eye just, a couple of times and you think it's going to build up to something. It's going to lead to like his inclusion, which was kind of teased from the very start. And then it just doesn't happen. And then we have to like wait for Jack Sparrow to come in and then uh, Guybrush Threepwood to come in. And don't get me 32 wrong. 32 minutes. 32 minutes until the name Guybrush was mentioned on the Legend of Monkey <laughs> Island episode. But I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. Like I, I, I'm not looking for that same level of like, here's the, it's not even E3 cause E3 is dead, but you know, an E3 style trailer where we're like, finally, here comes Captain Black Eye. Oh yeah. Like I, I understand nobody's going to care except hardcore 
rare and banjo kazooie fans but the same like even even if it was 30 (laughs) percent of what pendragon got i think i would be satiated so there's all that plus like i went through on the episode we did with dustin when this was announced i have a lot of bad association with the monkey island series in that i've never really had a good experience with it and i i I was kind of made bad to feel like i made to feel bad about it because it didn't click with me point and click with me so i think just like out of everything it could be this was the thing that would be queued up the most to really aggravate that center of my brain it's just like oh yeah out of everything that I could not be excited about. It has to be this, where everybody else I know is going to be excited about this. And so it really just right. makes me feel like a weirdo outsider. And then I, you know, I'm I'm sad about it. And boo-hoo-hoo-hoo. Jeff, what did you think? So Dustin was super excited and you were super not. Uh, what, what do I think? Yeah. I think I was, I was, uh, I was confused. <laughs> <laughs> monkey island huh <laughs> what? what i thought oh, islands were made is. of rocks uh, <laughs> no. so okay so they they did the they did a pirates of the caribbean crossover yeah um they that story implied more to come there was like sort of story hooks leading to like 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 little mysteries not yet solved references to things going on that have yet to be divulged and uh, probably the longest running mystery uh with a lowercase m not a mystery with a capital m like the in-game mysteries that's a different thing um but the the longest running mystery in sea of thieves of this like who is the captain like this mysterious character that is sort of pulling the strings of everything that has happened um and I just like, I don't know. I, I went into into this year thinking like, uh, well, they're definitely going to do a sequel to a pirate's life, the the Pirates of the Caribbean story, but to like raise the stakes and raise the sort of magnitude of excitement of of like the degree of crossover, uh, like just like. The fame level, the like the like the the IP brand name level. I thought that the next story was going to be like a multi crossover of multiple franchises. I thought they were going to be like, okay, we've done Pirates of the Caribbean. Now the next step is that we go on this multiverse traveling like adventure with Jack Sparrow that brings in Captain Hook from P- Peter Pan and like who knows? I don't know. Uh, long john silver from treasure island and maybe some some you know cute nods to monkey island um which is not like on the level uh, like a fame fame wise of those bigger ips i i definitely didn't think that they're just like no we're gonna make a whole set about monkey island (laughs) yeah like i i think that's better i think that's cooler to do a monkey island thing than a pirates of the caribbean thing but pirates of the caribbean is definitely bigger right yeah we agree it's just like yeah it's a bigger brand don't get me wrong jeff if i had to choose between uh, monkey island and peter pan i'm really glad they went with monkey (laughs) island i just really like the movie hook uh 
And I think that, which they already have referenced in Sea of Thieves. By the way, they've referenced everything in Sea of Thieves. Don't don't get too excited when I said that they mentioned Treasure Trove Cove or whatever the hell, because they've mentioned all of the things that there are. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Like the Goonies, I think that there are at least three distinct Goonies references in Sea of Thieves, uh, minimum. Uh, Like Goonies is 100% canon to Sea of Thieves, which is just nonsense. But... um, (laughs) Yeah, so so I, I just was confused. I, I really thought that like they were gonna try and up the scale of the of the sort of epic, you know the big epic brand crossover. And then it's just like, no, we're gonna do the silly, goofy thing. Which is way more rare to do. Like I love that, that that's what they decided to do. They're just like, Yeah, you know, uh we, we did Pirates of the Caribbean, which like everyone was asking for and is like the biggest brand we could have done. Um, now that we've got that out of the way, we we got our foot in the door and we can do this niche thing we just want to do just to please <laughs> ourselves that is probably not the most financially viable, like smart choice to do, um, which I love because I think that Monkey Island shares way more DNA in with with Rare in terms of like humor and uh, like just tone 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 wise and stuff uh so yeah it's a better fit but i just i never thought it would happen because of just like the it's a niche it's a Mm -hmm. it's a it's a niche thing to do yeah i Uh, I, I, I thought it was neat i i remember uh and i think i brought it up on a different episode how uh back on grant kirkhope's old website uh he was uh talking about dream and he mentions how monkey island was like a direct inspiration in the early days of rare so it is in their DNA a little bit. It's super influenced Dream and before that Donkey Kong Country Two. I yeah. And yeah I, I I think I've heard Mike Chapman personally like talk about how it influenced Sea of Thieves. I I, I uh, think I likened it yeah. to you know I I'm you know Jeff Jeff and I are big Beatles fans you know um and which is a a, a, pop, a pop rock and roll band from the sixties right yeah half <laughs> oh, of them, thank you half of them are dead so you know at least yeah, at least that <laughs> yeah that they've uh, actually divulged but i'm i'm a beatles fan and the beatles have their own influences right so whenever they would do a cover of a song that they really liked well it might not really be what i'm looking for because i'm there for their own music so yeah like mr moonlight might be like one of their favorite numbers but it's kind of a slog to listen to isn't it so no i like it (laughs) (laughs) mr moonlight no i'm just like skip i'm sorry uh but i like that stuff but yeah that's that's what this felt to me like oh they're doing a cover of something that was very influential to the rare dna and that's great but as a rare fan i'm there for like like where where rare begins where like like yeah monkey island fed into the dna but i like the monstrosity that was created after that fact but that that's not to say like you're wrong where you say like this is a better fit than pirates of the caribbean it absolutely is a better fit than pirates of the caribbean and in fact without divulging what i thought of all three tall tales i will say that all three of them felt more tonally consistent with Sea of Thieves and Rare than any of the five Pirates of the Caribbean Tall Tales, which I did enjoy, which I did enjoy, but I oh yeah, we're all we're all a big fan of the of that of the Pirates of the Caribbean Tales. I yeah. liked them, but yeah, but, but yeah, I, I feel definitely I, fit. yeah, and I feel like also because this is more obscure, this is more like you have to be a gaming nerd to really know this series. 
I feel that it just it didn't feel as cloying to me as the Pirates of the Caribbean stuff did where the f- it feels a little more special. Yeah, where where it just felt like the the first the first tall tale on Pirates of the Caribbean set um it just it was just a love letter to the theme park ride and we just went completely over my head because I've never ridden it but I I feel like as somebody who hasn't played the Monkey Island games I could get something out of all three of these without having that knowledge beforehand right it still has uh funny characters it still has nice looking locations yeah so let's let's get into actually this so uh, before the tales came out, going back to the summer, actually going even further back, there were uh, sort of breadcrumbs that led up to this moment of this crossover. The earliest being going all the way back to that Pirates of the Caribbean crossover, which came out. Was that the twenty twenty one E three? Yes, it was the last E three. Uh, yeah, the last, the digital only E three. Right. So, uh, tw- uh, so sometime probably released around June of 2021, uh, or maybe into July. Uh, I can't remember exactly the release date, but they did the Pirates of the Caribbean. And the, but all the way back then when they did the Pirates of the Caribbean Tall Tales, uh, and, and f- Tall Tales for our audience who maybe isn't super versed in Sea of Thieves, Tall Tales are what they call, uh, the sort of story mode, uh, quests in sea of thieves normal quests in sea of thieves are like go to island x dig up treasure chest y deliver it to location z and repeat this loop while getting into like battles with megalodons or other players or other things it's like this multiplayer mmo thing but then they have story missions called tall tales that are like go here and listen to an npc tell about the plot that's happening and then solve a mystery and then go you know a swashbuckling thing that's the story mode all right and they did them with the Pirates of the Caribbean. In that very first Pirates of the Caribbean tale, A Pirate's Life, they had this very extensive Easter egg referencing the secret of Monkey Island. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that was that that was a collaboration with Disney. They got their foot in the door with Pirates of the Caribbean, and they said, hey, while we're here, uh, do you mind if I put my fingers in the door and grab some monkey Island on the way out. I don't know that metaphor didn't work for me, <laughs> but there's this Easter egg where you go on this little side quest in the first mission. And if you kind of solve it properly, it's, it's totally sort of on the side and, and uh, kind of optional to, to discover. And then you can find this little alcove where the, sh- the shipwreck of the headless monkey ship, um, which is like the, it was the Mad Monkey, but they chopped off the figurehead's monkey head or something. I never played the monkey games. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The monkey games, but as all the fans it, call them. Right, the monkey games. But uh, yeah, so guy, basically you find this little corner where there's a shipwreck full of these notes and uh, maps and things. And it, it points to the fact that apparently Guybrush Threepwood, when he gets married to Elaine in the games... Uh, he goes on a honeymoon and on his honeymoon, he came to sea of thieves, the world of sea of thieves. Mm-hmm. And then, um, that happened. It's just like a thing. They reference this happened and it's very neat. I yeah. remember experiencing the, that with Dustin the, and he yeah. was jazzed. He was jazzed about it. I was it. like, wow. And the cool thing about it is, uh, the journals are written by a character 
from the Monkey Island series called uh, Kate Capsize, who will also who will come into play later. But uh, at that point, that was just neat because she always seemed like uh, a character that was maybe a little bigger than she ended up being like, she just seemed like a character that should come back, but never did. So it was cool to get like, Oh no, they're using this character that never really got to do much after. That's cool. I mean, the biggest part of it really was just that they had Robin Beanland in the, in the sea of thieves music team do a rendition of the monkey Island theme song. in so sea cool. of Thieves. And so you approach the shipwreck and you get that theme music start to play. And that is really the crux of the, the, the fangasm moment for that, people like Dustin. That's yeah. That was the best part when it just hits you. Cause you just walk through that gate and you're like, wait, what is this? And then you hear the music and you're like, Oh, right. So that was the first taste. The, uh, the little taste of, of monkey Island being a part of sea of thieves world or crossing over with its world. Um, but later on, uh, earlier this year, when they were in the sort of uh, pattern of releasing monthly time limited adventures, which are the which were these sort of story missions that came every month to progress the world and story of Sea of Thieves, but they were time limited, and there was one of them that set up directly this set of tall tales, although we didn't know that's what it was at the time. Yeah, yeah. Which I, I have to admit, like the the whole adventure formula which has kind of fallen by the wayside since then they were monthly mm-hmm. for a while and then this one I, I think there were several months without an adventure before it and then this is the last one we've gotten since then half a year ago at this point this was the 12th one and so far the last one but for anybody who was coming in to see of thieves because they were crossing over with monkey island because like they, they had to play all the monkey island games I feel bad for them because they would have missed this completely, this important piece of context and this surprise appearance by a character in the Monkey Island series. By the way, uh, we're getting into spoiler territory, but it doesn't really matter for this one because you cannot play Adventure 12 anymore because, again, these right. are time <laughs> I was, limited. I, I was going to wait till we were done with this part before we got into before I put the spoiler warning, because this this is a thing that happened that you cannot re-experience. It yeah. was like a moment in time that you missed. Right. Uh, unless you go to YouTube. I, I know like, Gibbon specifically, she hates the adventures because they are time limited. Because unlike the Tall Tales, you can not experience them if you miss them the first time around. They're similar to, yeah. to the I'm- early first year events like Hungry and Deep. Uh, where it's just this moment in time in the game and then it's gone forever. You know, I, I I like them in theory, but it's weird that they tied the prologue to the Monkey Island Tall Tales in with this format, but... Like one you just can't see anymore. Yeah, like I, I, well, I, I do I, think I also, I also, I will say, I, I think that if you missed this and you jump into the Tall Tales of Monkey Island, you really aren't missing anything. This is just <laughs> nice. This is context that if you have it, you're like, oh... That explains some things. I I can't believe other people are missing that. But then if you don't have it, you're not left with questions. You're you're like this is answering things you don't even really need to question. You know what I mean? Like you're not missing anything if you miss this. The only thing you're missing, uh, the only thing you're, you're missing just, is you're the getting guilt. something if you got it. You're missing the guilt that's put upon your pirate and their crew 
for screwing up everything yet again. Sea of Thieves really likes to do this <laughs> to your crew, making you internalize all the bad things that happen in Sea of Thieves. Oh, it's your fault because you just you really well fucked this alone. up. Yeah, the, it, it's how Flameheart it, was. Literally, it's just a it's a loop of um, hey pirates, you want to go on an adventure? Okay, yeah, I, I kind of like to go on an adventure. Cool. You just opened Pandora's box. Don't you feel like a little dick? And I'm Gosh, like, oh, I, shit. I guess I, guess I, I shouldn't I, have gotten that adventure. Uh, I, I, I guess I have to stop the, the bad thing I let out of the box, huh? They're like, yeah, you better, you dumbass. You idiot. You're so idiot. Yeah. So you would have missed that. So the Monkey Island fans who didn't know about this, they get to come in guilt-free and just have the time of their little lives while those of us who stick by Sea of Thieves week after week, we beat ourselves up over this. It's just rare spitting well, in the face of their fans. They do a thing where they're just like, well, somebody caused this thing to happen. And then while you're playing it, you're like, you're doing that meme of the bear puppet looking side to side, whatever the hell that is. <laughs> uh, but then if you come into this without that context, they're like, somebody really screwed this up. And you're just like, oh, wow. Yeah, who was <laughs> it? Those guys suck. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff, do you want to explain what we're talking about? I'll do it very quickly because we also discussed it in detail on our season nine recap episode. So go back to that for more detail. But basically there is a prequel, a a, a prologue that leads into the, the oncoming story that we're about to get into. And in that there was a little event that happened where somebody uh, was impersonating the pirate Lord, who is the ultimate like Christmas dad of sea of thieves or whatever. Uh, He's, he's, he's like, uh, he's the, I don't know. What is he? he he's just the good, the good guy. And, uh, somebody impersonated him and was like, Hey, I need you to break into my garage and steal my cool gun. And you're <laughs> like, I'll do that. And then you do it and, and you, you, you know, you, you give this enchanted magical weapon back to them. And then they're like, I wasn't even the pirate Lord. I'm a imposter. You, you dummy. dummy. You yeah. broke into his garage for me and stole his cool gun. Uh, so it was a sword, it, wasn't it? Right. I'm doing a metaphor. Um, <laughs> in, this, in this example, cool gun is metaphor for magic sword. Oh, uh, that's clearly. Like, yeah. That's deep. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a uh, Heil, you're like an English major. You should, you should be able to follow that. But yeah, <laughs> go back to our episode to hear more about it. But I really think it's not that important. I think now we should get into what it, the actual story, which means that now is a very good time to stop listening if you don't want to be spoiled. That's so, right. If, if, uh, if you're, if you're getting in a sea of thieves, gonna, then you might want to experience this by yourself. Because the great thing about all three of these tall tales is that they don't do not take place on the shared server. You like e- even before safer seas, these you would just go off into the sea of the damned and it would just be you by your lonesome or your crew experiencing this together so right. v- very very low pressure as far as sea of thieves events go yeah yeah you can you can experience these tales in a private exclusive little pve world where you can just play them to your heart's content without worrying about uh you know pirate make a bad guy coming along to sink you I hate um, that guy. Oh, he's so rude about it. Uh, yeah, so so the interesting thing with these tales is they came at the tail end of season nine when season nine was like already getting long in the tooth and 
they were like, hey, we know that season nine was too long, but season 10 is not ready for still a good long while. And then they're like, we're going to come out with these Monkey Island Tall Tales. We're going to do three of them. But usually what they've done in the past, they've done all this tales uh, in, in like a in like a campaign or, or, or a, a set of stories. They've released them all at once, like a big bundle. Like, here you go. Here's five tales or here's nine right. tales. And this one, they're like, there's going to be three, but they're not going to be released all at once. We're going to spread them out um, like like butter on a bread. We're going to spread them out one month at a time. I really prefer it that way, personally. I do, too. I think that it's good for people who... I, I mean, obviously, it's it's good to keep the engagement up of players yeah. to be like, here's something to look forward to every month for the yeah, next exactly. month. And it's good for people who want to avoid spoilers because if they come out with five tales at once, by the end of the day, somebody is posting pictures of the fifth, <laughs> yeah. the yeah. ending of the fifth one. All bosses. And, yeah. And so um, it's nice. But they did that back in July. The first one came out. Then in August, the second one came out. And then in September late September, the third one came out. Yeah. And and these were and, all pretty yeah. sizable too. It's it's not like it was just, oh, you know, I'm, I'm going to breeze through this. If you do everything in the tall tales, like complete, like get work them to completion, do every little hidden thing, talk to every character. These can take upwards of seven hours each, eight hours <sighs> each. Yeah, we, had, we if you know what to do, then it really doesn't take that long. But a couple of these took it. We had to split up our playthroughs. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I've always said that a tall tale. Like I've always said, tall tales typically take about two hours. The the old ones before this, and I was like, wow. So the the first set of tall tales is like an eighteen hour story campaign. Um, obviously, your mileage may vary, and you may take longer. With this one, I've been saying that these are more like four hours a piece. So um, all three put together gets you like pretty much a full game. I I I would say that this is a full length Monkey Island video game. Yeah. That that exists inside of Sea of Thieves, the video game. Yeah. Uh kind of like the new Fortnite Lego mode in Fortnite. Oh is now, a whole game. Now you're speaking my language, Jeff. Oh yeah. <laughs> Hyle's favorite things. My brother really wants to play Lego Fortnite with me. I've been I'm, watching Adam play it. Part of part of me is like, ugh. But then the other part of me is like, I want to hang out with my brother. And if this is what he wants to do, then so be it. But then See, it's like a it's a 52 gigabyte update on my Xbox. Yeah. See, I've been thinking about playing Fortnite because they just put Peter <laughs> Griffin in it. That's we're 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 different, but we're the same. Wow! Well, yeah. Uh, now now you're really getting me invested, Dustin. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so the way you're going to go about these tall tales is uh, on the outpost. You're going to load into Sea of Thieves, and then whenever you jump into Sea of Thieves, you start at the outpost. And you go around and there's all the spots to go. But one of the new spots, it's new, it's a new spot, is called Capsize Charters. And it's this little sort of tent uh, stand booth type thing set up on the beach at every outpost in the game. Sort of like the Cursed Castaway or whatever that was set up for the Pirates of the Caribbean still set saga. Up. Still, still there. It's, it's still there. You can still experience all of those t- tall tales. Uh, but yeah, so Kate Capsize that Dustin referred to earlier, 
she is now a character standing on the outpost in Sea of Thieves. You go talk to her, and she says all of her things that she says. Yeah, this this is awesome since, uh, yeah, this is Kate Capsize's first appearance since Monkey Island 2, way back in the early 90s. That's a long time. How many Monkey Island games have there been? Um, so there have been six, yeah. Okay. Okay, so that's like bringing back, uh, that's like bringing back Candy Kong. Like, I'd say even more obscure just because those games have so many characters. Mm -hmm. Like, Kate Capsize was never, like, a main character or anything. She wasn't, she didn't recur across multiple games, really. Yeah. You think think Rare brought her back because she's a thirst trap for somebody at the studio? I feel like Probably. you think this about a lot of Sea of Thieves characters. And it might just be that cartoon pirate women are inherently hot. Is that is that is that my fetish? Is that what I'm into? It might be. Uh, the thing probably. is, I, I've had this discussion with people that like, okay, so there's this thing with Pirates of the Caribbean that like you're either into Will Turner or you're into Jack Sparrow. And um, it t- tells a lot about your personality. And the thing is, I think that people who are dirty are hot. <laughs> mm, yeah i will think Turner, that's fair will turner's a little too clean you know uh <laughs> so so you go talk to kate and from there you can start the journey and she is here in sea of thieves because she's been trying to uh track down guybrush i think um but basically from there you can then load into a private world to go and play uh one of these tall tales and uh not be accosted by other players in the shared MMO environment that Sea of Thieves usually is. Yeah. Right. And, you know, I, I have to yeah. say, like, um, getting to do any of these with my crew, you know, because generally I play the game with a full galleon crew. And so, so I'm with three other people and having that co-op experience without the fear that somebody, like, while I'm talking to NPCs, somebody's going to come up and shoot me in the back of the head. It, <laughs> it's refreshing sometimes. You know, it, it's totally. it's like, oh, I can actually just lower my defenses and play this as I traditionally would play a video game. Where, don't get me, I really like the shared environment of Sea of Thieves, that fight or flight kind of um, reflex that's always kicking in, but when you want to slow down and appreciate the writing of one of these games, like one of these uh, events in Sea of Thieves, you can't really do that when that's uh, a possibility. So, to have that completely removed from the equation really made me um, be, be able to stop and savor what they were delivering here. I will, I will say on the on the nature of co-op, uh, the co-op question, it, it's an interesting thing because I think there's a little bit of tug and pull here where these tales, like everything in Sea of Thieves, they can be enhanced by co-op. They can be enhanced by the fact that you're with your friends uh, and, and like that feature of Sea of Thieves adds so much humor to everything because like you're with your friends and you don't know what everyone's doing. And like, all of a sudden somebody's blowing themselves up or like something silly <laughs> happens. There's like a huge humor factor to the co-op and, and chaos of, of your friends. Uh, but I also think that there's also like an innate feeling sometimes that these are kind of really a solo 
single player game uh these telltales specifically uh with like a co-op option sort of stuck in there um like there are moments where it's actually nice to have multiple people because you're like oh i don't understand this puzzle like let's put our heads together but a lot of moments it really just feels like no this is like a a point and click adventure game which is a single player experience but for some reason, there are four of us like picking up the stuff and running around with the stuff. And I'm like, hey, I want to solve the thing. But somebody else took the hammer. Uh, what you know, I, or, you know, I'm I'm talking to this guy and you're talking to that guy. And we're both like not hearing the part we need to hear. Like it like it's it's a weird thing that like sometimes works and sometimes works against itself. It sometimes works positively, but sometimes is a hang up of uh, like, I'm not sure I would recommend this as a co-op experience but i also think sometimes the co-op improves it for me it definitely improves it can be both it. what do you think dustin because you played this uh multiple times yeah um, you know what i actually never did a solo run on these uh mm. maybe i should i've only ever played them with uh friends and part of me thinks that was the right idea at least to do the first time because there's like lots of puzzles that i feel like if it was not just me i feel like i would be stumped on this for longer than i was not that they're like super hard but um you know i feel like getting that teamwork going through the first time helps so then if i go through them a second time i i know how to get through i know how to do everything so i can just kind of take my time uh appreciate everything talk to all the characters get all the dialogue uh so yeah, I, I think you there are benefits to both, but I don't regret doing co-op first. You know what it is? It's it's a little bit like playing an escape room in real life, like an escape room attraction. Yeah. yeah. And and the thing about going into an escape room is it is a group activity and you definitely need to split up and all look around and do different things. And the downside of that is that you personally might not like be in on every puzzle that is being solved at all times. Like you might be solving a fraction of the experience because right. somebody else is doing like I'm over here and I found the the uh, I don't know. Hey, there's a there there's a bike lock and I need four numbers. And then there's I found a puzzle and when you assemble the puzzle, it's got one of the numbers on it. So we got to find what the other four numbers are or whatever. Like I don't know whatever. <laughs> Escape rooms are so you know whatever they are. But the thing it, it feels like everyone is kind of running around and you might not get you might not personally see and do everything right. And that is that's part of the experience. If you're playing it co-op, that's like part of how it's planned. But you that just, might not, that might not as... be how we, right. That might not be what you want out of it. So yeah. you might you might prefer single player, or you might be okay with that, like dividing yeah. con- the divide and conquer approach. Yeah, personally, I I'm fine with it because it, it's you know we everyone contributes to solving a puzzle uh, unless you're just fucking around in the woods while they do it. <laughs> which you know can so happen happens the, sometimes yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Heil do you have any thoughts on the solo versus co-op so for, for me like side of it. co-op is always the um, optimum style of gameplay when I play video games be- because f- for me it's so, so much more enjoyment is is uh, squeezed out 
of the sponge when I'm with my friends, when, when we're going on an adventure together. It's kind of the ethos that Mike Chapman has espoused when, when talking about this game, like the Goonies thing. Um, so, like, I, I don't think I would have enjoyed this as much if I didn't have you, Jeff, you, Dustin, and Cameron uh, with me, like, goofing off, having... So sort of taking light piss out of everything, but also really just engaging with the world and the environment and uh, what's right. happening. And yeah, like uh, for me, like w- one of the highlights of, of my whole year uh, as far as playing video games go was uh, hanging out in the circus uh, in in the second of the tales. That was fun, yeah. Yeah, just uh, like firing ourselves out of the cannon, uh, trying to do this this ridiculous obstacle course, and you know, stumbling again and again, but having a good time of it. And th- I think that's what I really took out of this tale. Like, aside from the really fun writing and and the dialogue, it was just. Like an escape, like a big budget escape room that I got to do with my friends, with with my some of my closest friends in the world, and um, yeah. it, it it was like not even having any affinity for the Monkey Island characters or brand. I still got a lot of enjoyment out of this, and I think it's by going into it with co op. But that's just the way I'm wired. I definitely think some people will have a better time just doing this by themselves. I think if you're really obsessive about, like, uh, I want to be able to take in every piece of dialogue and digest it and not be distracted, and I want to personally be the one to figure out each puzzle and not just have, like, someone else connect the dots for me. If you want that, you can definitely play this as a solo experience, and I think it basically plays exactly like playing any point-and-click adventure game, which are typically, uh, maybe all of them, solo experiences. Right. Uh, but if you're okay with going into this more like a, a, a madcap, you know, co-op, escape room, goof fest, uh, then you'll have a lot of fun with that. Yeah, so that, I mean, yeah, works. so before I played it with you guys, I also played these Telltales with a couple other friends, Uh And when I was playing with them, I was worried about, like, I wanted to get all the dialogue, but I was worried about, like, holding people up, making people get bored with it. Uh, But then when I play with you guys, that's just kind of what everyone wants to get out of it. So, uh, you know, I felt a lot more comfortable just uh, taking everything in as we went. Mm. Yeah, that's the nice thing about DK Vine is we always take way too long with anything we do. (laughs) Video games, podcast, sex. Yeah, that that's one of the positive parts. Just think of the negative parts of DK Vine. (laughs) We don't have to. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, so so I think that the most interesting thing about this, we've talked a little bit around about uh, what the gameplay is like. Uh, you know, NPC dialogue, puzzle solving, escape room t- type experience. But really, it's fascinating to me that this is a full-blown point-and-click style adventure game. But it it is it has rendered that gameplay so seamlessly in the really first, works. in the first-person immersive hands-on mm-hmm. gameplay that Sea of Thieves is known for. Yeah. That's like incredible that they married those two things. They do a great job translating it over. 
to, to the point where your brain doesn't even realize that you're you're f- like functionally playing a different kind of game than Sea of Thieves. It, it, it will eventually yeah. dawn on you, but it's it's a sneaky sneak. It it, it just creeps right, up on you. When I think of when I think of point and click games, like like I I, I think of menus. <laughs> right. Like, I, like I think, uh, inventory. Like, like you have inventory, you have dialogue trees, like everything is right. a UI pop-up. Everything is, it's, it's like, and no offense to the, to the genre, but it's like, it's not immersive to me. No. It's, <laughs> it's very, it's the way of interacting with the world it, where your, your character is on screen, but your interaction point is a pointer, is a cursor. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? Well, like, I, that's not immersive. I, right. I, I, and, and so to take that, but put it in Sea of Thieves and not make it feel immersion breaking, because Sea of Thieves is so immersion focused. Um, they've done a great job of actually being like, no, you, you like, you're doing all the same things, but you're doing them from the first person's pr- perspective of that character and not from like, menus and overlays on a HUD. And that's right. a great that's a great point because I think that's been the biggest hurdle for me to jump getting into the Monkey Island games. When everybody I knew at the time was like, Heil, you've got to do this. We love these games. You would love it too. Uh and I tried it and I was like I feel like I'm doing my taxes. What is this? Um, <laughs> but you, you, you take yeah, that. I mean, point t- and click adventure games are not the biggest genre. <laughs> but, but you think like there's so much, so much about it that would be tailor made to my sensibilities, like dialogue, the uh, dialogue, story, the humor, characters. jokes, you know, but you take that and you marry it to something more immersive that makes you feel like you're a part of that world, like Sea of Thieves. And then all of a sudden it's maybe some of the best times i've had playing this game since i first played it back you know 2016 and i'm like wow that's that's actually you wouldn't think these two styles would work together but they actually marry quite well Mm -hmm. it's actually the thing that in, in that very first tall tale of the pirates of the caribbean set which is that whole set is called a pirate's life but that first tall tale is called A Pirate's Life. It's very confusing, <laughs> which, is very, which is very Sea of Thieves to do. Let's come yeah. up with a name and give it to two things. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we didn't even mention that, the, that, the, that you know, uh, your, your dad's cool gun that you stole from the garage is called the Burning Blade, <laughs> which is also the name for a different thing in Sea of Thieves. Uh, but but uh, I, I forgot where, where I was going with this. Uh, Ah, I totally drew a blank there. Oh, that that first tall tale in the Pirate's Life set was the one that, to me, most felt like a point-and-click adventure game, even though it was definitely to a lesser extent than this one because right. it was less about dialogue trees and... But it was... it was You were still I, solving I, a bunch of puzzles. I always likened that tall tale to, like, almost a 3D platformer environment. Right. Mm. Like, go around and explore, find the things you can interact with, and figure out what you need to do to, like solve the puzzles these inv- like oh yeah this one does this and i, I got to do this over here and i got to bring this to that it, it felt almost like a 3d platformer but it's really it's that puzzle solving that um and i feel a lot of the other tall tales that they've done have been more like cinematic theme park rides in a way right they're they're more about this sort of epic uh 
ride experience of of, of uh, you know going through a, like a movie moment whereas these tall tales are just these big puzzle solving environments that's what i love about them um it's what I really hate about actual point and click games because I'm bad at solving those <laughs> yeah, puzzles. Yeah. I'm like, they, they, like some of those puzzles, especially on the old school ones, like the old school classic ones um, can be so obtuse to my brain. I'm like, I don't know how to solve this. And then I Google it on the computer. Uh, and then on my computer, the Google says like, you have to do this. And I'm like, Oh, how would I have known that? That's crazy. <laughs> but the, you know, I, I, I don't think these are, I don't think these have an old school meant, uh, mentality to them, but they no. but they give you that puzzle solving feel. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. So, do we want to actually start getting into? I don't, I don't want to do a beat by beat walkthrough of these because that would be boring, and I feel like we wouldn't do it justice anyway. But I definitely want to hit upon the plot of each of these three tales, right? And also, discuss maybe talk about highlights, highlights, favorite yeah, parts, absolutely. So, Jeff, do you want to start us off with uh, the journey to Melee Island, the first of these three tall yeah. tales? So, so the Legend of Monkey Island is the name of the whole saga uh, of the set of three tales. But the first tale, which came out back in July, uh, is called The Journey to Melee Island. And we get this little intro from Kate Capsize when she shows up there on the beach with her little thing. But basically, the plot is... Uh, Guybrush Threepwood from the Secret of Monkey Island video games. Uh, him and Elaine, his new his newlywed wife, they took a honeymoon, mar- marriage style, and they <laughs> went on their honeymoon on vacation to Sea of Thieves, not the video game, uh, but like the location, which is in the video game. Um, so they go there, yeah, and. In some fashion, they end up accidentally in the Sea of the Damned, which is in Sea of Thieves. The Sea of the Damned is the sort of land of the dead. Every time your pirate dies, that's where they go while they're waiting to respawn. And it's a sort of video game logic uh, explanation for, like, like why does your character respawn? What's the logic of it? Well, the explanation is there is this land of ghosts. And while you're a ghost, you have to wait before you're allowed to be ferried back to the land of the living by the ferryman and the ghost pirates that are trapped in that land live in sort of mental prisons that are recreations of their lifetime memories. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we explored this in various ways. We've explored this in the pirates of the Caribbean tall tales, but Guybrush and Elaine end up in this sea of the damned and the evil zombie pirate LeChuck followed them and he figures out he can use Guybrush's memories and sort of some hypnotism or something to trap Guybrush in a physical manifestation of his memories in, in this sort of prison by creating a version of Melee Island where everybody there believes in this myth that Guybrush Threepwood is the greatest pirate that ever lived. He is really stroking his ego. The tit- the titular legend of Monkey Island. He is the legend, and everybody thinks he's awesome. Right. And so that's basically the setup of the story. It's like, what if Guybrush was was put in this place where he had his dream achieved, and everybody thinks he's 
amazing. And he would never want to leave there. And I had to have this yeah. explained to me while we were playing it because I, I didn't realize the context here. For those who don't know Monkey Island, like me, uh, that is not Guybrush. That's not his character. And he never really achieves that in the games, if I, if I'm correct. He, he's this kind of, um, he's kind of this nebbish, um, sort of, um, I don't want to say dandy, but, but, uh, a, a, a very. He's kind of a doofus. Yeah. Yeah. Over the course, I would say over the course of the games, he goes on a journey to become a pirate. Yeah. I, w- I would say at this point, he's not quite, uh, as famous as he, like later on in the series, he has fans. I, I think later on he does become like a famous pirate, but at least because this takes place after the third Monkey Island game, Curse of Monkey Island. Um, so at that point, the mid quill. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, we've talked about, we've talked about what this is a sequel, what Sea of Thieves is a sequel to and what it is a prequel to. Uh, and some things that it is both a sequel and a prequel to this one. Now it is also a mid quill to the Monkey Island series. We're going to have to make it crazy. We're going to we're gonna have to really like, <laughs> like for, for everything at Monkey Island, and, Pirates of the Caribbean, Donkey Kong, Banjo. Now, if we make Dragon. a chart, now we're really playing a point and click game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, but like for me, like I was like, Guybrush sucks. But then when I, when I realized, oh, he's supposed to suck. This is just played to his vanity. I'm like, oh, I get it. All right. Yeah. But Dustin, what what is Melee Island? Because I, I didn't know what Melee Island was before this all started. So Melee Island is kind of the main island of the Monkey Island series. It's a uh, deep in the Caribbean. And, uh, you know, there, there's a bunch of different islands in the series, but this is kind of the one you come back to the most in uh, a few games. Uh. That's about it, really. It's not that important. It's just the it's island sort of the, just goes back to. It's much. sort of like a home base island. It's not yeah. like an exotic like journey island. It's kind it's of like a the spiral mountain the, of Monkey it's like Island. The Tortuga, you know, it's it's like a yeah. well established, settled island in pirate world. Um, whereas Monkey Island is like the oh, that's a legendary place with treasure. You're gonna go there, like. Melee Island is more like where you go back to after you've got the treasure so you can have some drinks. Exactly. And this is a version of Melee Island that, as you said, Jeff, has been recreated from Guybrush's memories in the Sea of the Damned. And that that is quite a powerful thing, as we've seen in Sea of Thieves lore, where memories from the Sea Sea of the Damned have actually become like physical manifestations, like real beings within Sea of Thieves. So there's this kind of like philosophical like, question of like, where does memory end and uh, sentience begin? You know, it's, um, it's kind of heady stuff. I do so, so, like, I, I understand why Melee Island is a figment in the Sea of the Dam, just like all the locations in a pirate's life um, that take place from the Pirates of the Caribbean movies or Jack Sparrow's past. There are also manifestations in the Sea of the Damned. We'll, we'll, we'll table that for now because I want to bring up in the third tale whether or not this, um, s- sort of mechanic of the narrative is necessary. But I, I really like Melee Island, um, as a locale 
in the Sea of the Damned, in Sea of Thieves, because it is so mm-hmm. unique compared to every other place we've been in, in Sea of Thieves, or even the past Tall Tales, the past, the, the Pirate's Life Tall Tales. It, th- this might be, I, I can't say it's my favorite location in Sea of Thieves because it's so insular. It's so designed for this specific purpose, but it was right. such a breath of fresh air getting to explore yeah, seeing this like, entire place. Yeah, all these like pine trees. Uh you did I don't we've never seen like a, a forest area in Sea of Thieves, I think. But that's not it's usually a just like jungles yeah. and palm trees. Yeah. yeah. And the yeah. fact that you had sure. a like what what felt like a well populated little town. Like I know yeah. we've got yeah. Port Merrick now, but that's still functionally an outpost that's just been gussied up. This is the first and it's time, but it, it still feels like it, it, it's vacant of activity, really, right. because like other than the the there are NPCs that each serve a gameplay purpose, but it doesn't feel like just a bunch of characters out and about people who live there, living and just existing. Yeah, yeah. This is the first time it felt like we were in a vibrant port city with a nightlife with like people making ends meet with, with whole sorts of intertwined narratives going on. And it was just, uh, even not knowing anything about monkey Island, aside from what Dustin has uh, shared with me, even not knowing that it's, it was just such a thrill getting to explore this different setting with our pirate crew. Yeah, totally. I love, uh, even if you are totally unfamiliar with Monkey Island, uh, you know, a fan of Monkey Island would see all these characters here and be like, oh, it's that guy. Oh, it, I remember that guy. But anyone not familiar with it just gets to meet like a bunch of fun new characters. Yeah. The yeah. other exciting thing is that like if you are a fan of Monkey Island or or familiar with Monkey Island, then they've done this like really kind of incredible undertaking, which is to take like a series of two-dimensional screens in a point-and-click game that, like, every every time you go, you know, hey, uh, I'm going to go down the alley, and then it takes you to the next screen, and it's, like, a different picture. Those are two-dimensional images that are windows into this world. Yeah. But, like, the, like, the whole world of Monkey Island before now was just, like, a, a series of, like, window pictures. And... Now it's been like rendered in three dimensions is is like a, a fully explorable place. And that obviously required on their end, probably a lot of like really creative thinking of like trying to figure out how does this geometrically work as a mm-hmm. location? Like, um, but they accomplished that and, and like really well, uh, yeah. you, you just have like, this is what it's actually like to walk around of your own free volition in three dimensions the the places that you've seen in the monkey island games yeah and and there's been 3d monkey island games but like i think this is the first time where it's like freely explorable and taking a location from the games and just totally reimagining it in a 3d environment they can just explore i i think this is the first time they've ever done that i would say that it also in a lot of ways is mostly a love letter to the first Monkey Island, the secret of yeah. Monkey Island. Very like, few things from the others are referenced here. 
it's pretty much like what if your pirate sort of went on a tour of the events that took place in the first monkey island through through memories through through guybrush's memories um and sort of obviously there's a twist on them and there's like a new there are new narrative threads of like you know it, it, but it, but it feels like you're revisiting the secret of monkey island the game in sea of thieves and yeah and like more specifically yeah and what what i like really liked was even as somebody who's not a fan of monkey island talking to all of the characters obviously some of the jokes some of the references went over my head or I didn't get all the nuance that I would have gotten had I been invested in that. But I never felt like the writing excluded me for not knowing. I always felt like there was some enjoyment to be had from it as just a rare guy, as a Sea of Thieves player and not somebody who, you know, has has ever really dipped their toes for any length of time in Monkey Island. So the, like the writing had to work both ways where it would please people like Dustin and it would also be serviceable and enjoyable for somebody who doesn't know like me. And I think it walked that tightrope uh, fantastically to the point where like I, I never walked out of any of these tall tales thinking, I, I don't know, just not for me. Uh, somebody's yeah, talking about this. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's been a while since I've played through them, but I don't think there's, like, anything here that specifically is, like, only the Monkey Island fans will enjoy this. Like, there's no... If if there's... I, I think any callbacks are very obvious, like, uh, you know, the locations you're in, Melee Island, Monkey Island, but nothing... There's nothing there that's like, oh, this joke here is only for people who have played the series. I like, think, it's, I, I think the loom, all of the, the dialogue is guy, totally for the loom, the loom guy might be the biggest one I can think of that is a specific reference to something that right. you have to know what they're but, talking about. But even then, it's still a joke. You just you get when you talk to him. It's not like, oh, you will only get this if you talk to him in the first game. Like, it's just the same joke. It's, oh, this guy just promotes the game Loom. Mm. Yeah, I know. I'm with you. I also will say that in terms of, like, content that is there as an Easter egg for Monkey Island fans specifically, they they have done this thing that's kind of neat across all three tales, uh, which is these memoir spots like seats where as you're exploring the location there are in each of the three uh, tales there are 10 spots where if you see that spot and they're all marked by um, a little inkwell thing with a quill in it like somebody has been sat there writing their memoirs Uh, but you find a spot where you can sit down and then in Sea of Thieves is the mechanic of like whenever you find a spot you can sit down, you can you can then sit down, <laughs> and, <laughs> and then you go into this first person view that is just like this kind of um, authored like perspective that they've created for you to look at, almost like a screenshot, mm-hmm. um, uh, like a portrait. And what they've done is they've taken those literally the screens from the two dimensional point-and-click game that is Secret of Monkey Island, and they've tried to recreate those scenes that are two-dimensional, like, snapshots. They've tried to recreate that 
image in that location by having you sit down in a certain spot and just look in your three-dimensional like perspective but if you just look from this angle that is that screen from the game and if you find every time you find one of these you sit down and then you get this little voiceover by Guybrush where he's um you know like thinking about something and he's writing his memoirs uh and he just kind of makes a comment about a thing that happened at that time or at that spot um which I think are mostly like Easter egg references for Monkey Island fans, but they like they translate to people who haven't played the game. They're yeah, just it's like basically filling you in on right. what happened before. Guybrush is yeah. like, ah, yes, this is the the famous bar, the famous church I went to, and this happened there. Right. Which I think is great. I think it's great for Monkey Island fans because it's really just like an Easter egg, but it's great for other people too because it's just it's a neat little thing. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's neat. I also think it's neat, Jeff. <laughs> Speaking of neat things, you you mentioned the 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 voice acting there. We get the little voiceovers. This is fully voice acted. Uh, there is yeah. very rarely any dialogue to be had that isn't actually voice acted, and they brought back a significant number of cast members from the Monkey Island games. Yeah, uh, most of them. You know, there's a couple changed ones here and there, but, like, Guybrush is there, obviously the big one. Um, Kate Capsize is different, but uh, works. Like, almost all the people in the town are the same, which is crazy since... I I think the last time these specific characters, like, on uh, Melee Island have been voiced was... uh, They did a remake of the first game back in, like, 2010, I believe... And and most of them are the same guys from then, which is fun. It must have been thrilling for those dedicated fans at Rare of these games to get to work with the actual voice talent. Some of some of whom are like really well known voice actors outside of yeah. Monkey Island. Yeah, uh, Jess Harnell plays. Uh, so he takes over LeChuck from Earl Bowen, who passed away. Um, and he is like a huge name in voice actors. Uh, that's great. What's interesting about Guybrush's voice actor is he's not like an actor. I, I think he does mostly like, uh, journalism and cooking stuff. Guybrush is like one of his only voice acting roles mm-hmm. and, and he's just down to come back every time and just kills it. Yeah. I, uh, I, I remember they put out some YouTube video on, their YouTube and uh, it was like behind the scenes. I'm taking notes about talking about they were talking about the monkey Island tales and they had that guy and he's the voice of Guybrush. But like, I didn't know who he was at first. And I think I missed right. They put the little thing on the bottom that says like who he is and why he is. And I just like didn't look (laughs) at it or whatever. And so I just thought he was like a guy who works at rare and he's like talking about this. And I was just watching it and I was thinking like this guy is so passionate and fun to listen to. I was like, <laughs> this guy really loves this stuff. And then, like, I don't know when it, it clicked. Uh, I watched like another thing, and I was like, oh wait, that that that's the guy who's the voice of the of the guy brush. Uh, and I was, oh, that makes sense. Uh, anyway, I don't know. He he seems like a nice guy. He is like a uh, an infectious enthusiasm, as what yeah. I would say about him. But that's a good way to put it. On the topic of voice acting, dialogue, storytelling, all this stuff, this is like a a first for Sea of Thieves in the degree that they have pushed the the storytelling in these tales. Uh, One, Heil said, everything is voice acted. 
um, which is just like way more voice acting than they've ever done before in a Sea yeah. of Thieves like event. And then two, um, they're they've done something different with the way you interact with NPCs because you've got these dialogue trees, and normally in Sea of Thieves, when you talk to an NPC, there's dialogue options. You're like, okay, I'll pick this one, and then they'll talk. In this one, there's actually more back and forth where mm-hmm. your character will react to what they've said and just like have their own little line, which is not voice acted because your character is different for every player. Every player is playing a different like pirate. Right. But there is like back and forth, which opens up the kind of conversational format of how they deliver dialogue. And there's other things that they've done, like NPCs being able to like walk around or react to like things you're doing, um, what items you're holding and things like that, that are just like, I don't know, uh, they're easy things to miss, but they're actually like kind of innovations to what Sea of Thieves is capable of doing on a storytelling level, right? Uh, which which I appreciate and notice. And uh, I would hope that basically anything they do in the future that's at this like level, like a, of a tall tale, would be held to the same standard going forward. Yeah, it's yeah. very cool. Absolutely, absolutely. So I, I, w- I want to talk a little bit about some of the things that didn't click with us in in this tall tale before we get into just little moments, little moments that we really did enjoy. So I, I want to get the negativity out of the way. And I feel like Jeff and I have the same um the same gripe or same little buggedy boo uh, about Ooh, how how this was structured and that's in uh, how items work in in this tall tale. Mm. Yeah, this this drives me up a wall. This 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 drives me to the airport. The um, <laughs> in Sea of Thieves, <laughs> there are items, and they are inconsistent about the way items will work. And in certain contexts, they will work one way, and in other contexts, they will work another way. One of the ways they work, which is the most common and basic way, is that if you find an item, you can pick it up, and while you have it picked up. You have to hold it, and you have to carry it around, and you can't do anything else. You can't sprint while you're holding it. And my kind of internal headcanon for why this is is because if you run while holding it, that's dangerous. Like That's it's true. Not, it's like you're holding scissors. Never run with scissors. Like, yeah, it's immersive. You, you can't sprint while holding a skull. What if you cut yourself? <laughs> um, but like... While you're holding that item, it is in your hand, and then it is still there until you drop it. And when you drop it, it goes to where you were standing. It's now on the floor, and that's where it stays. It's no longer Mm -hmm. with you. It's on the floor. This is how objects work in real life. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But there are other times when you pick up a thing, and it enters a sort of ambiguous world which is called the inventory. And the inventory is sort of like if you had Batman's utility belt, even if you were completely naked, you just like, where, where does all this stuff go? How does my pirate you, carry around you know where it goes, a, sh- a shovel? Right. Well, you know <laughs> that I know, but I don't know that they know at home how the pirate carries a shovel and a lamp and a sword and a gun. 
even though physically I'm looking at you and you don't have all that stuff in your pockets, don't look that baggy or bulgy. Uh, where does all this stuff go? It goes where it goes. And sometimes when you're on a quest, like a tall tale, if you pick up the enchanted compass or whatever, the magic compass, then that compass doesn't go. It goes to your quest inventory, where if you go to your quest inventory, you can see all the important items. Like, for example, a map that you're trying to hold or a a piece of paper with a riddle on it or a magic compass that you need to have. And you can never lose that magic compass. You can't set it down on the desk and then forget where you put it. And or like you're walking around looking for your phone with the flashlight on your phone. Have you guys ever done that? I've done that. Uh, oh yeah. But you can't you can't lose the enchanted compass because it's in it's in your magic inventory. But so, anyways, in the tall tale of the Monkey Island tall tales. All the items that you find, they don't go into your inventory. They go into your hand, and then when you want to drop them, they go onto the floor <laughs> like, like real life. But this is bad, because this is like the, the one time where dumb video game logic of an infinite like inventory actually makes sense for the gameplay that we're doing here. Cause this is a point. It's like game. monkey Island. That's exactly how they do it. in Monkey that, Island is having the exactly, inventory system. They have the inventory in monkey in the monk in the point and click games where you have all your items and you can peruse every item you've picked up. And the, I think one of the biggest things in a point and click is that you go around and you'll find an item and you won't know right now what you need that item for. That's uh-huh. like the biggest thing that happens. It's like, okay, well, I found the balloon. I don't know what the <laughs> balloon is for, but I'm I'm going to carry this balloon. And every time I talk to somebody, I'm going to be like, hey, do you want a balloon? And they're going to be like, no, you don't use that here. I'm like, I, I don't know. Uh, that's like the thing. That's the thing you do in a point and click. You collect a mm-hmm. bunch of stuff and you hold on to it and you have it all. In this game, you find a thing for example the claw hammer which you pick up in the jail when you find the claw hammer you might not know exactly what you're supposed to do with the claw hammer but you can't put it down because if you put it down it goes on the floor and then you have to remember where you set it <laughs> well instead luckily, of instead of the it respawns it does if, respawn if it's down for too long like it functions if you lose it it will go back to where it's supposed to yeah. be it will it will respawn but that's not the point the point is that for just sim- like for logic's sake and convenience sake it should go into the inventory which is right. a system that sea of thieves already has but they've just chosen not to use <laughs> yeah yeah it it's very weird it's it's one of those things where because we uh, I was playing this I mean you played it with me but because my only time playing this was with a crew of four we could all just take an item with us like okay you you grabbed rubber chicken I'll, I'll grab this we'll take it with us and, and maybe we'll we'll figure out which order to use this stuff in but if you're doing this by yourself I think it would get quite cumbersome Benedict cumbersome yeah. even. Um, it, it would just, it, it, it would, it would get a bit much, especially if you're like me and you, uh, you're afraid you're going to miss something or you're afraid you're going to, uh, do something in the wrong order, you know, like, Ooh, I, I, I skipped ahead. Now I can't go back to, to experience this. And, 
that that's anxiety inducing and there, there's no need for that when they have the inventory system right there that they use for a lot of quests like this i, I don't know why they yeah. went, went about it's it a like strange this. choice yeah yeah um like i said it wasn't that big of a deal for me but yeah it could have been worse but it is confusing but that's that's a small I also, petty complaint. I did like that when I had the claw hammer in my hand, I could go into the dialogue tree options where your pirate can like say stuff. And one of the things you can say is, I have the claw hammer. Yeah. You love saying <laughs> that's that. That's true. And my pirate got really used to being able to say that. And then when we left the tail and he couldn't do it anymore, it was kind of unfair. I saw a tear run down your cheek. I, he can't I, say that he has the claw hammer because he doesn't have it. So, so after like you, you talk to everyone in the scum bar, and if you, you want you want to get all the dialogue, like that is where the bulk of it rests in this first tall tale. Is you have to talk to everybody in the scum bar, but but once you get past that, I think it really opens up and it really becomes fun. And the part of the fun is just goofing off if you have a large crew and having this environment where you, you can just um, get a little bit giddy. You can l- let your hair down. And like part of it is that there are just so many set pieces in here that almost encourage play outside of the tall tale itself. Like there's a church. There's a church. There's a church here in the town because there's a church in Monkey Island in the the secret of Monkey Island. But how many rare games do we have a church in? Banjo Kazooie. Uh, that, that's all I can think of. Sure, I guess that's the only. I mean, one. There, there might be more that that are like maybe you run over a church in Blastcore, but I I don't know Blastcore that well. So we we had a church, and so of course naturally we had to stage a wedding in the church and uh <laughs> jeff we married your pirate to uh your pirate's monkey yeah Pretty my pirate cool. did get my pirate did get married um which is like probably the happiest day of my pirate's life <laughs> your, your, uh, your pirate doesn't so, look happy that often he, your pirate kind of looks like a grump he looks glum. Yeah. He does. He's a glum looker. Yeah. But the thing about my pirate is that uh, he has a heart of gold. And he's deeply in love with a monkey whose name is Mother. <laughs> and Mother wears like a skull mask. But it only covers half of her face like a phantom of the opera. That's fun. Mm-hmm. And she's canonically married to my parent. The thing about having a wedding is that you need to have an ordained minister or someone who's uh, like legally able to administer the wedding. And nautical sea time law says that a ship captain can marry people, right? right. And fun. Sea of Thieves has a system that is called captaincy. And because of that, our crew literally has a captain whose name is Heil. And so Heil uh, married me to my monkey, Mother. And her and I, well, her and my pirate. My pirate isn't me, but he's sort of <laughs> me. It's like an avatar. They're, they're happy, basically. Um, Pretty that's cool. what matters. Mm, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was a beautiful uh, moment. I know. And, and we, we actually... Uh, 
we streamed it and that we did put that on our YouTube channel. You can watch Jeff get Jeff's pirate, Jeff the Brash, get married to Mother the Monkey. Um you can you can watch it on our YouTube channel now. But there's also a lot Yeah, we had we had witnesses. We had the whole shebang. Yeah. 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 It was it was a lovely ceremony. We also just had a lot of fun traipsing about the island. And of course, this comes more into play in the second tall tale. But in, in this one, you didn't have full range of access uh, across Malay Island because there was some sort of like N64 style fog that was keeping you from accessing um, what like the setting of the bulk of the second tall tale. But you could still hike up to the, the summit of the island the lookout yeah the lookout point which was really really fun uh, getting to go hiking with my friends and we got up there and you looked you look down and you see a circus tent in the fog and of course this comes into play later but in this first tall tale back in late july early august it's just like why is there a clown zone in the fog that's scary. And yeah, uh, I think that how it, what happened is we're up there and we're just peeking around with our eyes and Hyle looks down into the forest. He's like, cool, a forest. And then there's a circus tent. And he says, what the heck is a circus doing down there? And I was like, Hyle, that's the clown zone. <laughs> the clown zone. You're not go allowed there. to go. Everything the light touches is our kingdom. And the other part is the clown zone. So you don't <laughs> go there. And like, if you accidentally try to go there or you jump off the mountain, you just get like, force teleported back which is extra scary if you don't if you're thinking of the like if 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 you told a a five-year-old about a clown zone and then he tries every time you try to go you get magically teleported because of the fog that's actually a horror movie to a five-year-old that's the scariest thing you've ever heard you don't get to go to the circus we all kind of felt that a little bit we were afraid of the clown zone that primal childhood fear came back up but there's there's something uh, intoxicating about being with your friends and facing down the clown zone together. Like yeah, it can take King, all of us. I think it's like a Stephen King gang of kids. Like, I feel like like when we finally went to the clown zone, it was like those kids beating up uh, the it. I thought you were going to say those kids beating off because they also uh, did that. No. I saw the movie. I didn't read the book. Okay. I, yeah. I, I'm not. I'm not into smut. Yeah, that that's Stephen Ooh. King. He, he he's a bit of a pervert. It turns out. It's okay though. It's okay. Some books are written. <laughs> some books are written by authors, and some books are written by cocaine. And <laughs> right. we and the line is very thin. Right. Um, <laughs> so, so so there's no gangbang in, in our clown zone scenario, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was just uh, so much fun getting to explore it. I had a great time. Of course, all great times have to end eventually. And this ended when we finally got to the governor's mansion where uh, Guybrush Threepwood has kind of uh, shut himself in, in in a state of delirium. And um, this is when all the pieces start coming together and we learned how that prologue for Adventure 12, how it actually served as a prologue for this set of tall tales in which the character of LeChuck uh, stormed Melee Island and um, you, 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 turns out he was the fake Ramsey all along. Oh my good golly gracious. He arrives with the burning with the with the burning blade, uh, which in this example is a sword, not 
a ship. Not a ship. <laughs> not a gun either. It's not a ship. Just just to clear It's not your dad's gun. Not your dad's gun. It's it's the pirate lord's secret sword. Yeah. And and so he's he's got an army of skeletons who are different skeletons than the skeletons we normally fight in Sea of Thieves. Uh, See, yeah, Sea of Thieves is a game that has ghosts, but it also has skeletons. LeChuck's army are ghost skeletons. Ghost skeletons. Uh and they blow up if you spray them with root beer. Yeah. <laughs> right. Which Okay, uh, like that that's something I didn't really understand, but I know that's a Monkey Island thing. I'm like, all right. Uh, but the fun thing is, it's always fun to hose each other down, right? There, there's there's well, some, that's oh, true. always. There's, there's always some joy. Stephen King agrees. There's always some joy in just draunching someone. Uh, draunch my daddy, Ellie. And it's, it's even more fun when I it's I don't sticky. even know that... I don't even know that reference. Oh, you didn't I listen, know it. You didn't listen to the last episode, Jeff, because we we're talking about the Donkey Kong oh. theme park and, and whether or not Ellie yeah, was going to be in there and what we thought Ellie. Oh, could Ellie. Ellie's an elephant. That That's a lot better. Yeah, than, yeah that's yeah. true. Yeah. yeah that's but good but then I, I was like, we're going to have a T-shirt that says drunch my daddy, Ellie. No, I don't like it. And but that, I, now you get I'm, it. Now I might have to buy it, though. But, but anyway, so, it's, it's, yeah, it's it, always more fun to drunch each other if if the liquid is sticky. <laughs> we all enjoy that. So, do we all like root beer? What's the opinion? I like root beer. I get root beer. That's probably like my default drink if I go out to get like pizza. Really? Yeah. You're just you default to that's the thing. I I like root beer. I feel like it's my least default. Ooh, interesting. I yeah. I, it's it's usually either root beer or Sprite. I I barely drink soda. Uh, at all anymore uh sugar water you know like i i i have pretty much um lost the taste for it but i I, like if i do drink a soda i want it to be caffeinated and i feel like most root beers aren't caffeinated right well that's why that's why you got to go with the barks so so your mug root beer your a and w those are caffeine free you get in on the barks root beer that's caffeinated baby all right uh so hook it up buttercup yeah, but uh, yeah, no, uh, you, tips. You, you, you get these little bottles of root beer and you shake them up and you, you spray some sugar on them and uh, it causes them to blow up. Love it. It is, Love that. It, it is pretty satisfying uh, to make the skeletons start to like engorge and then eventually explode like a balloon. That's <laughs> like the way that it is, is good. It's like force feeding. It gives you that dopamine rush. Yeah. Yeah. Simple man. I, I see skeleton blow up. I say yes. <laughs> uh, I love LeChuck in this. Uh, I don't know if I've told you guys, but LeChuck is probably my favorite villain in anything. Did you know, Dustin, and, and being being a big fan of it, you probably do that LeChuck is French for the Chuck. Oh, boy, did I know that? Yeah, a l- little bit of uh, French lessons for you there. Pretty good. <laughs> very funny uh yeah so lechuck i think that lechuck they've done a really good job of i guess like just the design like the 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 rendering of him here yeah uh, because lechuck pretty much has a different look in every game that he's been in mm-hmm. and there's not really a consistent look one there's no you, like default to go back to you could say that it's inconsistent on the other hand, you could say it's a little bit like Gruntilda the Witch 
going through transformation from game to yeah. game. And in that way, it is it is impressive that they've uh, go, like latched onto a design that feels very iconic and also feels at home in the Sea of Thieves art style. And like it, it evokes Lechuk, but it feels at home in Sea of Thieves, and it's just really an appealing design. I like it a lot. I think he's great. Yeah, same, totally. Yeah, uh, he's your fake ghost daddy, and then you have to spray him, or uh, eventually, you eventually <laughs> spray him for the last time. But you know, it reminds me a lot of a specific episode of Goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not going to get into that no, here. We have no. plenty of time on the stream of thieves. So you said we didn't get to go to the clown zone at first because no. of the fog, but we do eventually get to go to the clown zone. Should we talk about the second tale now? I think I think that's I think fair should, to do because I feel like this is where every like I I really enjoyed the first tall tale, but I feel like tale to the quest for Guybrush is really where it all started clicking for me, and I was like, you know right. what, um, th- this is a good time all around, and I I think it's because they kept you from part of Melee Island the first go around. And, and now it ex- it really opens up to the rest of it. Yeah, yeah, it, it it expands all of it, and the the general conceit of this is that uh, there, there's a character, um, Karina. Is that her name? Karina or Karina? I'm Karina. not sure. Karina. Karina. Is how okay. I thought. All right. Well, I there's I I, I had uh, like fifty fifty shot there of getting that right. And I got it wrong. So, uh, <laughs> well, you you've been conditioned to think of it as Corinna because that's how Lorena in Sea of Thieves goes. She's not Lorena. That would be crazy. All right, so that's <laughs> that it, would it's, be so weird. It's Rare's fault. I'm again blameless. This is terrific. Corinna, uh, she's she's kind of the. Do you want? Do we want to say she's problematic, uh, or or she was conceived well, well, in a problematic fashion? I, I I think that they have uh, over time tried to clean it up because Before the original this, thing it was yeah. called just like the voodoo shop, <laughs> right? Right. Yeah, and she like all the way up until like the last game that just came out like last year, uh, she was just known as the voodoo lady. Like it took until. <laughs> Uh, the last game of the series last year to yeah. give her a name. It, it, it's, I mean, look, Rare Rare is also not um, like innocent here in, in having characters that don't really hold up to the evolving social uh, mores. You know, we got we got our humble wombas in there. We got uh, we got other characters who were like our Tajas. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, maybe we can uh, sort of soft. Uh, soften the harsh edges there, sand them down a little bit. Uh, but you know, I, I think as presented in these tall tales, she is fine. Um, others yeah. may disagree, but uh, Karina, she she is in the International House of Mojo. Yeah, baby. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> but behave. she 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 gives you potions and and all sorts of magics. And uh, she she has figured out a potion uh, to help awaken Guybrush from his stupor, from his Sea of the Damned-induced 
hypnosis where where he's living this fantasy life. And it should be pointed out that Karina is also a figment of his imagination, just like all of these characters, Sans, uh, LeChuck, and uh, Elaine. Or, and, and I guess Kate Cat's right. eyes back in the and, Sea of Thieves. All these characters are just figments of Guybrush's memory that have been brought to life in the Sea of the Damned. And I, the thing about Karina in particular is that I think that part of the reason that she is not susceptible to the uh, the fake fantasy uh, like the 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 lie of the legend of Monkey Island. Everyone in the scum bar, everyone else believes that Governor Guybrush is the best pirate of all time, and he's a rad dude. Um, and Karina is like, "Hey, I know what's going on, and it, I can help us fix it." And I think the reason she sees through the facade and that she also is like able to make these potions is just because she is a character who innately understands magic. Yeah. And because of that, like when Guybrush imagines a figment of Karina, that figment is like, well, I know magic and I can see this as magic. And so I've become I've I'm like one of the only memories who has become self-aware. Right. um, In the Sea of Thieves canon. Exactly. And she's fine with it. She she just wants to resolve uh, Guybrush's issues here because she knows, you know, uh, like LeChuck has to be stopped. So anyway, um. You you basically have to complete the three legendary trials, uh, in accordance to Melee Island law, to become um a, a, like a acknowledged pirate. Am, am I am I am I wrong there, Dustin? Is that is that an accurate reading of it? I think so. That okay. that sounds right to me. Okay. Um. So you you've got to go on the the backside of Melee Island. You, you clear the fog, and then you can explore the entirety of Melee Island, which just makes this a huge tall tale to get through. We had to split this one up into two parts because yeah, it it just it, it was a meaty beast. That those are the best kinds of beasts, though. Yeah. Um. And uh, the the three trials are the trial of thievery, the trial of sword mastery, and the trial of treasure huntery. So you you had to go around and uh, achieve these. And just like the first Tall Tale, some of these are a little obtuse. Like it's it's puzzle solving. You have to kind of figure out where to go, how to do it. Yeah, you have to like right understand things that are hidden in dialogue and then go from there. Um, and, and all in all, this took us what, seven, seven hours or so to complete across two weeks. That's a long time. Yeah. Um, the thing that sticks out most in my mind though, from this, as I already alluded to was the entire circus, uh, interlude, here in this tall tale the clown yeah. zone actually visiting the clown zone turns out there are no clowns whatsoever which was quite <laughs> quite a relief and also discouraging because i psyched myself up for an entire month thinking there were going <laughs> to be clowns 
I was kind of expecting the clowns. Yeah, and and there weren't any clowns. <laughs> uh, there were some stereotypical Italian men who kind of read like parodies uh, of Mario and Luigi to me. We love those guys, me and everyone. Uh, the Fettuccini brothers. What are their yeah. names? Al- Alfredo? Alfredo and Bill. <laughs> is that it? One of Bill? Yeah. That's pretty funny. I love these guys yeah. because the thing about them is they explain to you uh, their challenge and they will basically pay you to become a circus performer uh, if you can complete the challenge uh, you'll get paid so you've got to go and put on the doofy outfit yeah. and once you do you can do the challenge and the challenge is this sort of parkour dexterity challenge uh, climb the ladder walk across the sort of tightrope thing uh, you know jump jump across the beams and then jump down these platforms and then cannon out of a cannon and land into a, a, a hot tub. And the best part about the whole thing, you're doing it and you're going to mess it up. That's just part of it. You you will mess it up. And they're playing the circus music and I don't remember how it goes, but it's circusy. It's like that, 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 that. I don't know. I don't know how it goes. And you will fall and then you fall down. And then these Italian guys are like, Oh, so sorry. And I'm just like, okay, this this rules. These guys are funny, and they make this great. The, about the twentieth time you hear it, it's less funny. Yeah, <laughs> but but it, but it's still fun. good though. It's fun doing it with the crew and just watching everybody fall, or you know, uh, it, yeah, it, it is just like, all right, I'll go. It's my turn, and then you, you know, yeah. you Every, everybody's. Everybody's failing together, but then you kind of learn from where they went wrong and try to do it better than them as well. It's one of those video games. Thing Everyone has to do it. Yeah. yeah. Everyone has to do it on their own. And then there's a challenge for doing it with a time trial. Like yeah. doing doing it in the in a good time. Twenty five seconds, I believe. And then you watch everyone do it and you realize that uh contrary to what you thought going in, Cameron's better than you. Yeah, that camera's <laughs> That's always better than you. Yeah, it, it's always yeah. it's always the case where Cameron will just uh, get the hang of something far quicker than we will. Uh, but <laughs> it, it is one of those like classic video gamey things where at first it just seems insurmountable, and then you just you gradually realize you are getting better at it, and it's just like, all right, all right, I, I've I've like got this part down pretty well and if i can just get through the rest of it and then you're like oh i need to shave off another second and then and then eventually fatigue starts setting in and then you find yourself getting worse and then you've got to like pull back <laughs> and eventually you get it and it feels very gotta overcome it you do yeah there's but- this part where you lean forward in your chair and <laughs> Then you know it's real business. That's true. That's that's when you know. Okay, this is for realsies. This but time. when you when you're sat back in the chair and you're just doing it, and you're like ah, oh, and then you're like, all right, I got it. And then you lean forward in the chair. It, it's it's when you now, feel and it all comes together. You start feeling self conscious, and you feel your palms are getting sweaty, and you and you're just like, all right, I've I've really got to focus now. No, they they've tried to do obstacle course type things in Sea of Thieves before, like at the Sea Dogs Tavern, there is an obstacle course, but it's always kind of lacked a structure to to doing it. Like yeah. Um, it, this, it it feels more like you're just doing it on your own terms rather than being like 
an actual challenge in the game. Yeah, where where this kind of felt like for the very first time, there is an obstacle course that is defined that has a set structure to it and you've got to do it. And Mm -hmm. it, it never just felt like this optional cute thing they've added. It actually felt like all right, I've actually got to get good at this kind of first-person platforming thing that Sea of Thieves is putting me through. And I don't I'd know. love if they did more like this yeah, going it, forward. It was it was kind of a fun little change. And like Jeff said, the fact that we had very stereotypical Mario and Luigi doofuses in there going, <laughs> oh, 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 me. So sorry. Oh, mamma mia, Fettuccine Alfredo is my name. Oh, I love the lasagna. Oh, I hate the Mondays, but it, it it's <laughs> it's just it's just goofy, and, and you never feel discouraged because it's so uh, light. It, it, it's so yeah. inherently um, just fun that you can't you you don't feel like mm. oh god I suck and I want to die. <laughs> well, well, and. Going back to the thing before about like just certain locations are just like a fun playground to be in, like a church. Uh, this one is a hot tub. Yeah, we like that. <laughs> yeah, we like that is great. When we like one of the things we like in Sea of Thieves. We don't talk about it a lot, but one of the things we like in Sea of Thieves is when they have a moment where there is a hot tub. Yeah. <laughs> well, one thing I liked about this uh, circus part as well. So in the original uh, Secret of Monkey Island, you do exact. This is basically ex- straight from the first Monkey Island, but a lot less uh, interactive. All you do is uh, I. So you find a pan that you use it as a helmet, and then they just fire you out of the cannon into like a pole, and then you get money from that. Here, it's a whole challenge you get to do. This is taking something from that game and saying, oh, no, now you actually get to do it. Yeah, no, I, I like that. Um, I, I, it just, it's an extension of the thing before about just seeing, like, these two-dimensional places in yeah, three dimensions. Town. It's just, like, also just these simplified actions, but now, like, do it in first person, like, actually do it. Yeah. Um, that's really cool. It's a great... It's a great thing. Should we talk about the actual trials now that that you actually had to? I guess to uh, was was this to win an audience <laughs> with Guybrush or uh, no, 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 no? This so, wasn't the first one. This one was to get, wasn't it, to get the things you need for the potion to wake Guybrush? Yeah. Uh, so the first thing you had to do is you had to get a few items before Karina would give you a potion to clear the fog. Yeah. Then you'd take the fog potion, you'd throw it into the fire at the lookout point, and then the fog would clear and you'd be able allowed to go to the clown zone. Then <laughs> you had to complete the three trials, but each item you got, Corinna would pop up in like a like she's FaceTiming you in like yeah. a, a magic bubble. And then you'd give her the item. And when you got all three items, she would have a potion that you could then take to Guybrush to wake him up from his uh trance. And yeah, uh, one of the three trials was the trial of thievery, which brought us to probably one of the more memorable like parts of, of the monkey islands or, and of these tales stands previously owned vessel salesman, whatever it's, it's yeah. called 
He's like a used car guy, but for pirate ships. Yeah, yeah. Love that Stan. Which is just... It's I, hate, a, I, I hate this guy. No, I. <laughs> he's a fun character because he's just, just ahistorical. You know, you're, you're, you're putting the cliche, like, sleazy used car salesman back in the context of pirate times and... But but he's just completely it's just completely played straight. Like you know he's he he's got the gestures. He's aggressive. He will stalk you. At, you know he'll he'll follow <laughs> you around trying to make a deal. And uh, he's a very fun character and a very rare character. And he's got like the swanky Kong jacket like from from DKC two. Just the you know yeah. Like, but it's like it, it's. It's broken for your eyes. Yeah, they to to like recreate it in the third dimension. They like knowingly like made it so it 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 creates this optical. The texture is stationary. Yeah, the yeah. texture is stationary even when the parts of the jacket move, which is how yeah. it was in your old the games. It's yeah. a staple, a stand. Yeah, a stand pull. And and you basically oh. you you have to rob Stan and you. Uh, you ultimately like lock him in a cupboard and push him into the sea of the damned. <laughs> no, we well, like that. The, yeah. the best part about that is pushing him into the water is completely optional. <laughs> well, it, it is. It is a commendation. Yeah. Like for right. Hundred yeah. percent completion, but it's not necessary for like the story to progress. Yeah, you have to make the choice to do it. Yeah. Right. And the first time I did, I, the first time I did it, I did not. And then someone's like did you push him in the water? I was like, what do you mean? And they're like, you can. And I'm like, oh, I gotta do it again. I gotta, <laughs> oh my gotta do it again. Like, uh, <laughs> the other thing that happens on this is like a detour in the middle where to get, to, to be able to get to the next part, you, you're told you need to get a like ship a deed of sale that another pirate named meat hook already has. And so it's like, well, go talk to Meat Hook. He has the deed of sale or whatever. And so then you have to go to this other spot on the other side of the island, um, this little side island called Hook Island, and which not even getting into, we're going to talk about in a minute, but you have to zip line to get there. We'll yeah. talk about that. <laughs> but um, Meat Hook is on this little island. He's got his own little side quest problem where he's just, it's it's a very uh, Banjo-Kazooie like uh you know, oh, woe is me. The the grublings took all of my beats or whatever. Um, <laughs> you know, video game stuff. <laughs> it's accurate. It's accurate to Banjo and, Kazooie. Uh, like, can you get my six beats? No. Uh, no. So he has a thing where he, he has this like attraction, this like roadside traveling attraction or whatever, um, where he sells tickets to see the beast. The beast. And, the beast <laughs> and uh so the beast has gotten loose that's the problem and you have to get it and then you can't you can't rob stan until you get the deed of sale from the ship thing but you can't do that until you get the beast back for meat hook and so it's this whole little side quest thing which i like because it just again it's like obviously this is just the the point and click stuff but it also, it just gives me the feeling of the 3D platformer stuff, you know, bit, side yeah, quests bit, yeah. things. Yeah. And the beast turns out to be a little, a little guy. Just a little guy, little just bird, a little fella. Right? Yeah. Yeah, a little guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then the trial of sword mastery. Um, was that the insult? 
sword fighting? Yeah, yes. the insult sword fighting. This took so me- you go talk to yeah. a guy who looks like Lieutenant Surge from Pokemon slash um, Lieutenant Hazard from Small Soldiers. Uh, <laughs> what's his name? Chip Hazard? I can't remember. Good movie, though. Check it out. Uh, and he, he goes to you through like a tutorial. He's like, this is how you insult sword fight. And then then you have to go do it. What is insult, yeah, insult sword fighting for those who don't know? Uh, Dustin. So Yeah, Dustin, so you tell it. In the secret of Monkey Island, uh, insult sword fighting is basically the crux of uh, sword fighting. Like, uh, the trainer says, anyone can wave a sword around, but to really, really just get under your opponent's skin, that's where the skill comes in. So you need to go around and collect uh, setups, and comebacks to insults. Uh, and it's really grindy and probably my least favorite part of Monkey Island. But yeah. uh, you, you go around fighting, finding pirates and they will tell you either insult setups or comebacks until you have enough to take on the sword master. Basically, the crux of it is if you're in a sword fight and somebody tries to say something cocky to you, if you know how to respond to them with a clever comeback... They're going to be so, like, caught off guard that you get the upper hand in the sword fight. <laughs> Demoralized. And so yeah, you go to yeah. a guy, yeah, right. Like, you'll be having a sword fight, and he's, some guy will be like, uh, like, you're, you're nothing but the dirt on the bottom of my shoe. And then you're like, you at know least what? I have shoes. Yeah, at least I have shoes, unlike your <laughs> stepdad or whatever. And then. <laughs> He's like so demoralized because you had a great comeback. Oh my um, god, it's really good. I can't remember any of the actual examples. They're all like legit. They're decent. They're very well written. Uh, and I'll say, I think the insult sword fighting here in this game is done in a less annoying way than in the original Monkey Island. Like you still have some of that jank where just sometimes they won't give you a new insult, but uh, it, it's there's not as many of them here, and uh, it, it wasn't too bad. I think it's tricky to wrap your mind around what you're meant to do. Yeah. That's the yeah. hard part. Is yeah. because basically you go into the fight, they're gonna say something to you, and so the reason that this exists is because in the original game, it's not an action game; it is a dialogue tree game. It is it yeah. is a point and click game, and so you don't actually sword fight. So instead, they're like, well, how do we make dialogue trees part of the combat? That's why they invented this. But like in this, it's like a guy's going to say something to you, and then you're going to look at your dialogue options, and you're not going to have something to say. Like, you're you're not going to know what to say. And then he's going to have the upper hand, and he's going to sword fight you good. And so the way to, to do this is that you have to lose... Because by losing, you will hear what he says in response to the stuff you say, That's and then right. you'll learn. You'll, you're going to learn dialogue options by losing to the yeah. other guys saying stuff. Exactly, which is counterintuitive. Yeah, and I yeah. think my problem, and it's not really a problem, because once I knew what I was supposed to do, um, it was fine. But I would, whenever I had like a lot of the dialogue options unlocked. I would still be trying to outthink what I was supposed to be saying. Um, and maybe it's, it's right. the comedy. Sometimes you'll feel like you would have uh, a comeback that you think should work, but it's not the specific one they need. Right. Maybe maybe it's the 
like dormant comedy writer inside of me that was just like, well, let me workshop this and, and try to try to come up with something better, even <laughs> though I have a like a list right here. Uh, but it's like, oh, this would be a funny response, wouldn't it? If I said this, this is kind of a uh, out of context, <laughs> and it's like, no, like, but. Um, well, yeah, well, once you got the hang of it, it was enjoyable enough, but it's probably my least favorite aspect of this tall tale. Yeah, I mean, that's that sums up my feelings about Monkey Island as a whole. I will say that once you've gone around the sort of the first part of it, where you just go around the island fighting people and, and learning all the insults and in the comebacks... Then you go to the second phase where you have to go find the Swordmaster, and the Swordmaster is being ambushed by the evil skeletons, mm-hmm. and you get you get into this sort of makeshift boss fight. Um, and in that moment, they put a twist on it, where this boss will have brand new uh, insults that you haven't seen before. But every insult that he has to throw at you, uh, it it functionally corresponds to one of the retorts that you've already learned. Yeah. And that's kind of fun because it's like, oh, this retort now, I can see how it works in this totally new context. Like the same comeback works in both insults. Yeah, and they do that in The Secret of Monkey Island as well. That, That part's fun where you actually have to think about it a little more. Well, and then we have the Trial of Treasure Huntery. I don't even remember this one. What, what was how, how did this one go? Well, the, the thing about you this one is woods? It, it's a lot more straightforward and like functional. Oh, yeah. Okay. Which means that it, it like it didn't stand out because it wasn't like at any point like frustrating. There's but basically, also, there's also no characters you really interact with, with it. Right. It's fully just sort of like you've got pages in the book that tell you, you know. Find the entrance to the forest, and then you're gonna go left, and then Take you're a left gonna here. you're gonna do this. And it's a little, it's like a, just a a slightly more advanced version of a Sea of Thieves riddle quest. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then you get to where you're going, and you dig up a chest, and inside are pa- are more pages, and the new pages will take you to the next one. And uh, it just it it like works, but it's not it's, it's not, not extremely like super interesting. It's nothing that you haven't seen in Sea of Thieves before, necessarily. Yeah, right. But it but it works really well. It just kind of sm- floats smoothly. Yeah, um, like it's, it still feels good to figure out. Yeah, I, I guess that's why I didn't really stick. I, obviously, I recall it now that you, you mentioned it, but compared to locking a used car salesman in a cupboard, it, it, it definitely does <laughs> feel kind of rote right. compared to um, the, the unique experience. Well, it's just... it's It's using new landmarks that you're not even used to because you've never been here before. Yeah. So it's like, um, you know, go to the scarecrow next to Take the bridge and you're, part. you're, and then, you know, you're like, Oh, if, if this was Cannon Cove, I would remember the scarecrow because I've been to Cannon Cove, but I've got to kind of, I got to kind of think it, I kind of kind of look around cause I don't remember where the scarecrow's at. Um, but no, it, it, uh, I think this was the, of, of everything that happened in all three of the tales, this was kind of the one with the least messiness. It just kind of went. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For, for maybe for good and for bad. Cause in terms of like the memorability element, but um, yeah, yeah, but it, it worked. Well, you wanted to talk about the zip lines, Jeff. 
Oh, let me tell you. Yeah. There are zip lines. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty cool. And you can zip line on them. Uh, yeah, I just think it's something that they should like make a part of the actual Sea of Thieves world outside of this. Uh, sort of like... Like, when the game first launched, there was no such thing as, like, traps or pulleys. Mm-hmm. And they kind of added those systems as part of the Tall Tales. Uh-huh. And and then eventually they went back to all the islands, like, the big, especially the big islands, like Thieves Haven, uh, Old Faithful. And they were like, oh, well, what if we put, like, a pulley elevator here? Or, like, what if we put, like, a lever you could pull to pull a spike trap here? And they just added these little interaction points. Uh, now I'm just like, all right. You've got zip lines, so throw those in there. You know, you know what to do. You got to put the zip lines in. You got to, you got to have zip lines. I don't. I'm, I'm like mad. The more that we talk about it, that there aren't already zip lines everywhere. I want <laughs> zip lines. I, I don't know how well they would uh, integrate with pre-existing islands in the game. Like I, I'm, you know, eternally hopeful that maybe the shroud will recede a little bit. We'll get a couple new islands on the main. Uh, like the in the main game, and and they can like go hog wild with zip lines on one of them at least. I, I love zip lining. I I love it in video games. I love it in real life. It's just it's just fun to uh, slide across a tightly wound cord and and just uh and just go. Uh, it it it, fe- it makes me feel like I'm the Batman, and. Uh, it's the only time in my life I'll probably ever feel like I'm the Batman because I made it well into adulthood without my parents being shot. That's good. Yeah, it's like that Who song, uh, like, no one knows what it's like to be, to be the, the Batman. Batman. That's true. I, th- yeah. I <laughs> It is I true. Relate. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I, I, I agree. But tell uh, me, tell me that, like, Thieves Haven wouldn't be improved if there was just, like, one zip line from the top that just goes down into the parking garage. We call the the in, the interior of Thieves Haven. We call it the parking garage because you can bring your ship inside the island through the little little channel Thie- and just sit in there. Thieves Haven is a mess. Oh, I I I like Thieves Haven conceptually. <laughs> I hate I hate I hate actually going to Thieves Haven. It's my least favorite island in the game. But if there was a zip line, though, like yeah, <laughs> that's what really brings it all together. We can see how it would be improved. Yeah, well, no, I, I would have fun with that zip line for sure. What about a zip line? Uh, you know how uh, Crooked Masts has two t- like two spires to it. What if you could zip line back and forth between them, just like zip lining? Yeah, That'd be fun. Know, add some add some zip lines on the uh, the Sea Dogs Tavern that's not in use for really anything. <gasps> Ooh. Ooh. Ooh, yeah, just just uh, just. Have fun when you want to go cordon. Uh, just go to the Sea Dogs Tavern. Yeah, no, we like it. The other thing about this tale, and I and I'm I'm probably alone on this. Um, you guys tell me, is this tale really spooky? <laughs> I don't think it's that uh, spooky. I think that it's got a circus I, in it. Yeah, once once we actually got to the circus and found it, um, like the domain of just uh high pitched italian men and not clowns uh some of the <laughs> scare factor definitely went down for me but no i could see like so going through, going through this, the dark i played woods. this solo yeah i played this alone okay the first time the first few times i played this i played this alone 
when I was writing up my guides, my tutorials for my blog, and I didn't have any friends around because I was playing it solo. And I was like, wow, I really love the spooky atmosphere of this tale. This is like so many spooky moments. And then <laughs> we then we played it together and I was like just kinda like you know when you you already know how something is like 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 let's say you watch a movie with someone and you love the movie but you just spend the whole time like watching how the other person reacts to the movie you know that feeling right uh, and i'm just like oh i want to see how the other guys are enjoying this tale and nobody ever thought it was spooky so i was like <laughs> what's going on with this why uh, are you guys screaming here let me tell you why i think this tale is spooky from someone who played it solo which is inherently a spookier time to have. Um, first, there the whole thing is set at nighttime under moonlight in like dark forests. Mister right. Moonlight, there it is. Mister Moonlight, come Mr. on, moonlight. you know what, Kyle? You might be right. It might not be great. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's not my favorite. But dark forests. Beatles for sale. Nighttime. They couldn't give that one away. <laughs> Moonlight. I'm moving on. I'm telling you spooky stuff. All right. All right. Uh, mistiness. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're on top of the mountain and there's just like no music, but there's just like the whistling howl of the wind. Uh, lots of purple colors. Lots of purple colors. Right. There's an old man there, too. It's pretty scary. Uh there's a there's there's talk of a troll that lives under the bridge. Ah! There is a beast in the woods, and if yeah. you go looking for him, you're gonna find scratch marks on the rocks and like human <laughs> bones and fish bones. Yeah, you have to fight creatures that are not just skeletons but also ghosts. <laughs> right. There is a man who is trying to sell you boats and. He has like a really aggressive manic energy and he's always pointing and f- like following you and his uh, textures on his jacket don't make sense to the human eye. Uh, so, yeah, just I think all of those things, both the atmosphere and the tone and the content of it makes this the spookiest tale. I can't argue against that logic. I can definitely spoo- see it. I'm spooked out of my pants. I, I feel like the fact that I played it all with you, and I also, like, when when I was playing it, it was not your first time playing it. I, I feel like, for me, the spookiness was kind of blunted with the sort of security <laughs> blanket that is going in with a group of friends. We were joking around it being stupid. Yeah, yeah. And, and so, but I definitely agree with what you're saying, especially, you know, Sea of Thieves, when you play by yourself, can be a very unnerving experience, even in these separate, um, like, isolated servers where, where you can go into. Like, it, it, it is, like, your mind playing tricks on you a little bit and um just imagine walking these spooky woods without other players yeah for sure and it's just you and like the atmosphere of the like the the nature sounds and the spook it's a spooky too and uh, granted granted it is goofy spooky right the clown the clowns are italian and the beast (laughs) is a little the beast is just a little guy and stan is funny but those attributes aside it's kind of spooky. I, I I agree. I agree with you, Jeff. I see your point. I'm right, picking so up I, what you're putting down. 
I win this podcast. <laughs> it's not a lot of competition. We're not. We're not. I didn't do so good. Yeah, we're 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 not trying to come out on top here. We're just we're just chatting. Yeah, you might as well stop trying. It's too late for you. <laughs> All right. Well, then let's move on to the third and final tale: uh, the layer of LeChuck. This is this is when we actually get to go to Monkey Island, so to speak. Like from the from the title from the thing that's right. true yeah right that one. uh th- this is where you you travel with guybrush um to to monkey island but it's not actually monkey island it's yet another representation no, in i think the damned i think it might i think it might be monkey island it's hard to tell there's this there's room for debate here because the previous moments definitely were in the sea of the damned yeah and then what happens next is that guybrush makes a potion that a lot that opens up a portal to monkey island and we sail through that portal while we're in the sea of the damned now i can totally see the interpretation being that we just like found the path to monkey island within the sea of the damned and it is a sea of the damned version of monkey island but i could also see it being the case that this is a portal that took us out of the Sea of the Damned, physically to the Monkey Island. To the monkey island. I, I, think, I could see that. I, I mean, th- I think it was the an open potion question. would take you to. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it was an open question at first, but I think, like as we went on, it was it was basically confirmed that it was in the Sea of the Damned, and, and maybe maybe it's not so cut and dry. Maybe it is a little bit ambiguous. My, my my thing is like I can see the thinking both ways. I do kind of wish that they would just say like, yeah, we're going to the actual Monkey Island now. Um, we're we're going out of the Sea of the Damned. We're going um to this this island in the Caribbean, outside of the Sea of Thieves, outside of the Sea of the Damned. I don't see the harm in that, but it, they they seem yeah, very hesitant well- to ever go that far. Well, especially since Guybrush has already been snapped out. Like, by this point, they already broke the spell on Guybrush, so why bother having a fake Monkey Island? Yeah. Just go to the real one. Yeah. Um. So, we should point out, really, the, the plot that's ongoing is that LeChuck has stolen the really cool sword. And that sword basically gone. gives him the power to... Uh, it... it, it gives him the power to like control people's free will sort of. And he's going to use it to try and like take over sea of thieves, I guess, but more immediately he wants to marry Elaine and spoiler alert. Elaine is Guybrush's wife. Like that's crazy. That's so, that's so fucked up. You cannot do that. So we've going <laughs> to definitely have to stop him. And it's like, um, look, look, dude, like I, I can understand getting hung up on someone you, you've you got a thing for. Right. But eventually, right. eventually the rejection has got to set in and you've got to just move on with your life. Guybrush has like a, a tattoo that says like, just because there's a goalie doesn't mean you can't score. And uh, oh. he just lives by that. Oh, no. Oh, no. Did I say Guybrush or did I say Lechuk? I, I can't remember. I probably said Guybrush, but it, I, I knew <laughs> I what you meant. I meant Lechuk. I knew what you meant. So, so, so anyway, Lechuk famously has a secret layer, subterranean, Underneath famously Monkey Island. Yeah. And Monkey Island 
we're gonna we're, we go there we we get to go there and when we get to go there we're gonna have to explore around the island the, the this very lush tropical jungle to figure out where to find three golden monkey idols because when you put all the three monkey idols into this so on this statue uh like the palm of this giant statue hand it will then trigger the mechanism that opens uh that gives you a key and the key can open up the door to get into LeChuck's lair. Yeah. Yeah. The key happens to be a big cotton swab and the door happens to be the ear on a big monkey head. Which you're not That's supposed fun. to do. They say never to do that, but you know what? It feels amazing. <laughs> my, my grandpa always says never stick anything in your ear that's smaller than a baseball bat. <laughs> Um, which is just like a, a folksy <laughs> way of saying, yeah. it's, it's a folksy way of saying, don't put anything in your ear. Yeah. Um, but, but we do, we do, we it. do, oh, we do, we <laughs> like cotton swabs. You know, you know what I like to do? I like, I like to run it underneath the sink with really hot water and then, uh, stick, stick them in there, both sides and, and, uh, and swirl them around in, uh, contrasting directions. It's better than sex. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't recommend anybody do that because you could seriously damage your eardrums. But I'm just saying, you know. I like to put, I like to get it wet and then I put it in and then I pull it out the other ear <laughs> um, <laughs> like a cartoon. <laughs> anyway, this but is a really, anyway, this is a really, really beautiful looking island and. Yeah, you wouldn't think they would be able to do something new with a tropical island in Sea of Thieves, considering. But this looks so unique and specific to anything we've seen before. And they kind of pulled this trick off with Shores of Gold, with uh, Tribute Peak, uh, you know, the, the island you sailed to that's in the Shroud. And it looks remarkably different than any other island we've ever been to in the game. They're able to do that again while also making it look like the Monkey Island from, you know, the Monkey Island games. Right. What I like about the environment here, I mean, visually, you're right, it's it's very different. And, like, just, like, the kinds of of trees, the kinds of bushes, the kinds of things you see, like the, the, the species. Soil. The soil um, is clay. A lot of variety. Yeah. The red can. Right, but it's it's the it's the contrast between the bright red rock, the canyon canyons and, and mountains, and then like, I don't know, just like this really high contrast, really vibrant green of mm-hmm. the of the of the leaves and things. Just really cool. But also yeah. not just visually, but like the way it's laid out there is like much denser jungle than we're used to seeing, but like with pathways where yeah. it's like a lot of sea of thieves, there's nothing really dense in the jungles. Like there's like uh, trees here and there, there's trees here and there and you can walk everywhere. There's not really set pathways. Whereas this is laid out a lot more like there's pathways to walk. And then there's really dense, like thick foliage to, yeah, which just gives a very different visual look, but also like physically, is different to interact with. It was really cool mm-hmm. and frustrating to play this because I realized it dawned on me fairly quick 
that, oh my God, this is the exact kind of location I would want in a 3D Donkey Kong game that we've never gotten in a 3D Donkey Kong game because the one 3D Donkey Kong game we got like had like maybe three trees in it in the jungle. Um, <laughs> and this is just like exactly what I pictured in my head as a kid imagining a 3D Donkey Kong game. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I have that thought every several years of being like, oh, this is like a 3D donkey. Like, yeah. I had that thought when I played Star Fox Adventures, you know? Yeah. Right. Uh, Eventually, and then I had that thought when I played Sea of Thieves. Eventually, I just time. want a 3D Donkey Kong game. <laughs> Sooner or later, you stop being picky. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So the thing with this one is it goes in basically in two parts. And again, this one we split up into two sessions. Uh, when we played it on the stream of thieves, but the first part is all of the stuff you do all over the surface of the island in the jungle, and then the second part is once you've kind of you've got the three monkey idols, you've got the key to to open the cave, then you go down underground for the second part. But that first part, it really all result uh, sort of revolves around this guy named Herman, um. Who's uh? He's just a funny little character, isn't he? Herman the Hermit, he's just a little guy named after famous Herman 1960s the Hermit. band Herman Toothra. The Beatles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that 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 was a joke for Jeff and just Jeff. Yeah. The thing is, my first thought was, oh, he said Herman's Hermits. I have to reference a song. And my second thought was, oh crap. I'm blanking on all the songs. <laughs> <laughs> I don't actually know a Herman and the Hermit song. Well, yeah. then, then, then a handful of them came to me, but none of them really applied here. Like, Herman's, how am I supposed to bring Herman's up yeah. Henry the Eighth? Yeah, you know, I'm Henry the Eighth. Uh, you know, who can who can work that in organically? I can't. Uh, but Herman is fun. The best thing about Herman is the part where you uh, trap him and rob him. <laughs> that, that is the best part I about, him. about that. Just like the best part of Stan was shoving him into the ocean, uh, so too is the best part of Herman is uh, basically uh, like tying him in a trap and having him dangle until he passes out. Yeah, I mean, I think what makes this so good is you do it in front of him while he's there watching you steal his stuff. Yeah, it's a shame you can't. This is very Banjo Kazooie. Yeah. Yeah, because there's like you're you're kind of straddling that line between being heroic and being just a scoundrel and and uh, yeah. make, making somebody watch. Like it's just a shame we couldn't do more bad things to him. Like I like is there a girlfriend we could have <laughs> poke him with sticks? Well, like yeah, like make out with his uh, wife or something. <laughs> the thing is, like, so there's a thing in Bandit. I mean, your mom is your mom is now our mom. Yeah, we could have just insult sword fighted him after we trapped him. Just like, um, like there's a thing they do in Banjo Kazooie where like ha- about half of the objectives are basically like, um, some guy is like, oh, I am the man made of glass, and inside me is a jiggy. I hope nobody pushes me off a cliff, and, uh, and then. And then you just have to figure out how to push him off the cliff, yeah. and he, then he dies canonically, right? Um, and at the end of it, you have a jiggy. That's great. We all, that's uh, so ha- we feel no remorse after that. And um, Sea of Thieves is kind of afraid to go that far. Uh, but we we will tie up a man 
and hang him upside down by his leg. And I do think that eventually he has to die from this. Like, there's no way he would survive forever being a, like the blood to the rush to the head thing. Is that is that going to kill you? I don't know. It can't be good. <laughs> I, I, it could be I, great. I've, I've hung upside down on one of those inversion tables for uh, entirely too long, but I'm still here. Yeah, that's we, true. We, He's right there. I think we we need to test and see how long it is too long. But uh, so yeah, we did that to Herman. We 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 robbed him and we stole his banana soups and we stole his maps. Uh, we he's got this dude is crazy. So <laughs> he he has salvaged all the shipwrecks that have happened, and he's basically gone around like building up his little little stock houses and little. Uh, uh, he's like, oh, I've got supplies stored here, and I've got little things here, and I've buried my secret things here. And then I buried the oars of my rowboat so that nobody can pilot my rowboat to find my secrets. Uh, and he's very paranoid. But the best thing about him is that he's written everything down in exhaustive detail so that we can then <laughs> retrace his steps to find all of his hidden things. And that's great. We like that part. Yeah. I agree with you. This, like, I, I remember the banana goop, right? Um, and yeah, I remember yeah. the mirror, uh, the like the reflection. Uh, oh, right. Yeah. The like, light beam. On the beach, yeah. Creating a, a huge, long light beam. And I remember Captain Coco, the coconut head, which was actually in the first tale, tall tale that came back into this one. There's a whole thing with just this coconut shell uh, that that uh, everybody just uh, personifies as this individual when it's just a coconut. But um, I, I, it's it's funny because I have to replay this. Eventually, I will have to replay all of this because they've added an extra reward if you've replayed them all since the time they went live. But I, I don't remember how all the pieces really fit together here. It, frustratingly so. So, there there was three idols to find. Mm-hmm. Um, one of those idols is, uh, sitting atop a tall like totem pole type stone structure, and the way to knock that one down was with the catapult primitive art installation up mm-hmm. on the mountain. Right, right, right. Um, which was its own fun little kind of mini game. There was some some side quests to do with that. Like you had to hit your own ship with it. You had to hit this banana tree with it. Um, but then you also had to hit this statue and knock down the thing. That was the simplest of all of them to get the thing. The other one was you did the light beam puzzle. Um, and in order to complete the light beam puzzle, you also had to go up to the stockade up on the mountain. And you had to kind of create the banana grease so that you could grease up the spikes to put the coconuts on them. So that you could then get the light beam to bounce off the gold tooth of the skeleton skull. And then... It would. Oh, one of the things you did up on the mountain was you you shot out of the cannon to knock down the like mast that was had the cage hanging on it, and inside the cage was the monkey idol. But once you knocked it down, you had to find a way to open the cage. So you had to put the explosive bubble gum into the cage, and then you had to use the light puzzle to ignite it. Um, and you had to create the grease to do that, and that was a whole thing. And then you got that one. The third one was just you had to get. Herman trapped in the rope so that you could steal his map and then his map would 
tell you how to get the ores to the rowboat and you had to follow the rowboat down the thing to get the map off of the dangling skeleton. The only way to reach it was to stand on the rowboat underneath it in the little channel of water. And then once you got that map, it would tell you to go someplace and dig. And once you dug, you got the third monkey idol. Way to sum it all up. Wow. I'm a summarizing fool. Wow, Jeff. I'm so glad I brought you on this episode. You you killed it right there. Look at I'm you. the guy. I'm the guy who writes the guides. So your, I do your have head to is know. like throbbing. And what's terrific now is <laughs> what, what what's utterly fantastic is now people don't have to play this. Yeah, that's true. That's yeah. true. Just uh, unless, middle, unless, Hyle, unless they want to find the journals. Oh, oh. <laughs> so you're gonna have to you're gonna have to go read my blog if you want to find the journals. Right. Uh, yeah. So you get all the three parts, and then you can go. Uh, to the subterranean part but is there anything else you had to say about the jungle parts because other than just they're not they're they're, they have good vibes this is yeah i I guess there really isn't that much to say about it other than that it just looks nice it's fun to explore this is an aspect of all of these tall tales or at least uh the the first one and this one first time we've seen just monkeys on the loose in this game that aren't somebody's pet Right. Well, yeah. it's also the first time they've just done kind of comedy scenes. Yeah. Because it, going back to the first of these three tales, there's the part when you get into Guybrush's mansion and he kind of implies that Elaine is sleeping in the other room. Yeah. And when you go in there, you can like lift up the, the covers and like three monkeys burst out. Oh, no, it's monkeys. Yeah. And they like go and like climb out the chimney or something and run away. It's very fun. Yeah, uh, Jeff, Jeff's pirates like been the, there, done that. <laughs> <laughs> but there's the part where, when you are trying to trap Herman, what you what you end up doing is you go on a a, a, path, a, a puzzle to to figure out how to find his banana stew, his cold cold banana soup or whatever it is. Once you find it, you can pour it into the little jar that sets the trap. And the the point of the trap is that Herman is trying to trap the monkeys that keep stealing his stew, right? <laughs> yeah. And so this this monkey just, like, comes out of the scenery, like, out of the jungle. Yeah. And just comes down, and, like, he eats all the stew, and he doesn't get trapped. And it's he's the happiest lad, and he leaves. And then Herman is like, what the? What? And then he goes and checks the trap, and then you are like, all right, now I'm going to pull this trap. So there's just these little comedy vignettes, these little scenes, uh, mostly with monkeys, that are a real joy for those of us who, who like humor and like monkeys. Yeah, and I, I, those of I, us who enjoy laughter and joy in their lives. I've often said one of my biggest complaints about Sea of Thieves is that there aren't any loose monkeys. Yeah, same. Like, there's some wildlife here and there, but I would really love a little more. There, there, there aren't Just any like loose, a, monkeys. A loose monkeys. You have to get married yeah. to them first. Wow. Yeah. Hyle's like, why buy the cow when you can get the milk for free? Well, sometimes Hyle, some of us like having a commitment in our lives. Oh, all right. Well, um, but yeah, I, I enjoy I enjoy the big monkey guy. idol heads. Those are fun, uh, fun to carry around. They're like yeah. oversized, so your pirate is just like I'm just just holding this giant idol head. It's it, it's just uh, a lot of fun, goofy set pieces in a very attractive. 
exotic setting, which uh, I, yeah. I, I think it's it's the best of Rare, even in this context where they're bringing to life a game that's not made by Rare. Totally. Um, Should we talk about the horrifying decapitated head? I, I think, yeah, I think I we love kind that. of have to because, yeah. Now, this didn't really work all that well, did it? This this whole this <laughs> notion of I have to carry around the head of the navigator, which is, Jeff, you, you said in the notes here, it looks like a ghoulies mummy. And I, I agree. It kind of it looks, sure does. it kind of looks like a character from Grab by the Ghoulies, which would make this the first time they referenced Grab by the Ghoulies in Sea of Thieves, but it's not that. Uh, it, it's, it's this like mummified head that is, uh, is animated. It, it's, it's some semblance of undead. And you're supposed to hold this as you go into this subterranean layer of Lechuk, this like lava realm lava cavern and wherever the uh, head of the navigator turns as you hold it that's the direction you're supposed to go because it's kind of like a maze but i was playing this on an xbox one this is is before i got a series x and i don't know if it was just uh me playing on hardware that could barely handle sea of thieves in its current iteration but I feel like the head of the navigator didn't really work. It didn't really turn the way it was supposed to, and I could never really get a read on where I was supposed to go. Yeah, it, it, it's weird because the first time I did this with some other friends, it worked perfectly fine, and then this time we had some uh, issues towards the end of it. I don't know exactly how it's meant to work because I think it can get a little confused when you're with a group of friends and you all are there. Um right. Because the way that the the maze sort of works is that kind of there are multiple pathways and some of them will close or open when you're not looking to like, and the only way to like get the right door to open is to be, is to like walk there with the navigator and it will tell you like, go this way. And like, and you don't see them happen. It's a little, it's a little confusing, but um, I think that, those pathways themselves are the things that get confused when you have multiple people around. And then because of that, the head of the navigator is like, wait, which way do I go? Which door is open? Mm. Um, maybe, maybe I'm just talking out of my ass. I'm not sure. But the point of it is that it is pretty goopy. It's pretty spoopy looking. Yeah, no, I, I like the look of it. I just, it just didn't work well when, when we were doing it. And, you know, thankfully we right. kind of like, just blunt force our way through and you know i had to make there were sure. a couple of moments where it, it it felt like it was leading us in a circle like yeah, yeah. repeatedly you're we in the same area for a while and then meanwhile i'm like i can't miss a journal can't miss a journal have to get all the journals well i don't want to go so far i yeah. can't I, I miss a journal and uh that that was i think annoying everyone but eventually we got there we we, we got to uh the the final kind of confrontation with lechuk and th- this is kind of um, a-, a ship battle um, that takes place yeah. on the lava field in the in in the cavern, and I I, I I will have to replay it on my Series X because I feel like this is the one part in all three Tall Tales where my Xbox One just struggled to keep up. There was just too much happening. There, there was interesting too much in the way of environment trying to be rendered, uh, too many characters, 
too much cannon fire and just things were sluggish and uh, textures weren't loading. And this was the only point where I was like, oh, wow, I I need to get a Series X because this is a nightmare. (laughs) So my thing. Oh, go ahead, Dustin. Oh, I was just going to say I did like this part a lot, even though it is just it it just comes down to being like a ship battle and you've done lots of ship battles in Sea of Thieves, but it's at least in a cool, unique location. You're not usually in a river of lava. Yeah, I was going to say um, like the chase part of the sequence, like before you get into the battle part yeah, uh, is a little bit slow and drawn out. And then you get to the battle part and the battle is like not exactly difficult or anything like that, but um it's all a little bit eh but like environmentally incredibly interesting and pleasing like the colors the yeah. just the like the fact that you're in a river of lava is cool and then like just like the purples of the rocks and the um bright orange of the glow of the lava and all this like it's a really cool place the the actual like arena you open up into that you circle around fighting it gave me such a really weird specific vibe of like it felt like if Sea of Thieves was a very different kind of game, if it had been that uh, like a a kind of multiplayer battle game where you would like choose the the map, like you're like oh we're gonna we're we're gonna load into a game and you choose which map you want to battle on and you're like okay do you want to go to the the normal like stormy like the, we go to the stormy map or we go to the regular map or we could go to the lava arena. Like it just felt like you were in like a level, like like a yeah, like a yeah. Mar- like a Mario Kart battle course almost. That's like a good a, way to put it. Um, it. It's one of the few moments in Sea of Thieves where I really felt like I was in a level, like I was <laughs> in a an environment that feels like it's from a different kind of game. Um, but it was cool. I was like happy to be there. I was like, this is yeah. a cool place. For, for I think it kind of elevates the the whole scene since yeah, like you said, it is pretty straightforward. Nothing that new before that for me it was the one time in these three tall tales where it really felt like some of the tall tales that jeff spoke about earlier where it just felt like you're on a ride you know it it was it was just kind of there for the uh, visceral um thrill of the set piece spectacle yeah yeah where where it wasn't really that engaging as far Mm -hmm. as gameplay or problem solving or puzzle solving and um you know it, it was fine i think it's the weakest aspect maybe of this entire trilogy of tall tales but i didn't hate it i i thought it was unique it was certainly memorable um i i just right. feel like it like everything else i enjoyed so much more than than this bit here yeah because here you're just getting what you've seen already a lot yeah but well then you then after that you travel back to melee island yeah to do an extended repeat of insult sword fighting with lechuk which well, is i think again not the most exciting part of the saga it, it's not and it was also broken when we it bugged did it for us it, it, it bugged pretty bad yeah it bugged to where it we were just stuck in a loop with lechuk and we eventually figure out how to break the cycle, but it was hilarious in that he just kept coming back for more, and and we were like hosing him down, or no, we were <laughs> were we hosing him down or were we sword fighting? I can't. 
You sword fight to a point, and then yeah. you get the root beer, and then you had to hose him down. I think yeah. the problem was the root beer uh, what was causing some sort of bug that was just causing it to loop back. It just made that specific part. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But no, you, you have to over. break up the wedding between him and uh, Elaine, and he has the sword. The monkeys, the monkeys come. The monkeys come uh, again. This is actually... This is actually notable because this is, to my knowledge, the only time in Sea of Thieves so far where they legitimately put you into a cut scene in, in with the emphasis on the word cut. Because every other time they've ever had a moment like this in Sea of Thieves, you still have full control of your character. Like there's this like kind of almost bad thing about Sea of Thieves is like the the guy is talking and a, like a scene is playing out but you can walk around and like do, do silly, silly dances and jump on their head or yeah, whatever yeah um but like in this moment you go into the church to interrupt the wedding or whatever and like all four of the players on the crew just sort of all step into this same exact spot and then lose all control of their movement and you just sort of watch from a fixed camera angle like a cutscene, like you've been taken out of your body. And right. it's the only time Sea of Thieves has ever done that, which is just so odd to me. Well, it's because our pirates know the rules. You have to wait until the priest says, if there's anyone here that objects, speak now or forever hold your peace. <laughs> and you just got to wait for that moment. Yeah, that's true. We do know the rules. Um, but yeah, then then you go fight Lechuk. It's not super great, but then... You get the ending, and uh, you know it's it's all happy hunky dory. I feel like we're ready to sort of sum up our overall thoughts because I don't have a lot of detailed thoughts on that ending sequence itself. No, it's sort of the weakest part of the whole thing. It, but. it is, but that's not to say I don't, I don't think it detracts from anything. It just no, um, just just what came before was so unique and so special compared to. What, what just turned out to be eh, uh, an okayish ending. It wasn't like the Pirates of the Caribbean uh, set of tall tales where I feel like it did end in, in something very memorable and that was kind of like the climax and, and then a little come down where you got to hang out on the Black Pearl and, and talk to the characters. And, you know, th- th- this was an okay ending, although I do appreciate monkeys going into a church. Uh, I'm never going to turn up my yeah. face to that. Um but yeah, like overall, um, I, I'll, I'll just go ahead and say my piece. You know, obviously I think out of the three of us, I had the most reservations about this where it wasn't that I doubted that it would be quality and that it wouldn't be done with a lot of love and care. It was just that I had no investment in any of this. And while Jeff right. was confused, I also just had, Gotta be honest, like a little bit of a fanboy resentment about all of this. Like I, I'm, I'm being made to care about this. Uh, as a rare fan, I'm just making way for somebody else yet again in Rare's own big game. You know, it's just okay. You know, whatever, grin and bear it. But at, at the end of the day, even though this wasn't for me, I still really, really really enjoyed all three tall tales they were able to walk that line as i said where i never felt like i was out in the cold as somebody who was not a fan of the island now 
if I was a fan of Monkey Island, this would be the coolest thing ever. I would be a pig rolling in slop because this, this <laughs> that's w- me. I was the pig. Th- this this would have just <laughs> been like I want this kind of love letter for what I'm into eventually at some point. But this this was. I, I think full of some of the, the best writing in the game, some of the most fun um, gameplay conceits. And I think, at least from my perspective, it was some of the most fun I've had with my crew in years playing Sea of Thieves. Yeah. So all in all, I'm pretty happy to have been not wrong because I, I wasn't wrong to have the feelings I was having, but I, at the very least, I'm glad that that sort of, sh- uh, sh- I, I think misaligned feelings of resentment were quelled and, and I was able to make peace with it because it, of the quality and because of how much fun I ended up having with it. Yeah. And also, um, there were loose monkeys. That's true. There were loose monkeys. Dustin, you are the monkey Island fan among the three of us. Would you want to add to this and, and, and give your perspective? Yeah. So, uh, I thought this was great. Uh, I lost my McFreakin' mind when they announced it. Uh, and I, I really enjoyed it a lot. I just have maybe like a couple small nitpicks about it that didn't sit well with me. And one of them is that there's just so much to the Monkey Island series. It is a little disappointing that you're only, you're laser focused on Monkey Island 1. Like, it, it is just Melee Island and Monkey Island. They don't reference like anything from two. And there, there's like a maybe a couple things like Murray is there. Murray didn't show up until three. Uh, and he's a big presence in these tall tales we didn't even talk about. Uh, uh, but he's great. But I, I, I do wish they kind of maybe had like a couple other characters from. Like they mentioned Wally, uh, his map shop in Melee Island. Uh, he's a character from Monkey Island 2, and uh, he shows up here and there in the rest of the series. But like, he's not there. You don't get to talk to Wally. Uh, it, it really is just things from Monkey Island 1, which is a little deflating, but otherwise, you know, not a big deal. So, um, so, so your, your complaint is not enough Monkey Island, whereas my complaint before this was too much Monkey Island. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But and my I, and then my complaint, I I kind of landed right in the middle. I thought it was too spooky. This has been a file two production. But ham. <laughs>